Jimena, hello, Juliet. Hi, hi, Black Label. Let's get your boy up here. Invite four co-hosts. I sure hope your phone works. Cloudy, good to see ya. Just uh, doing my my back end stuff here, real quick. Y'all know I uh, I can't multitask for <laughs> shit. Black Label, hi. How you doing, Fredo? Am yeah. I alive? Oh my god. New phone. New phone. Who this? New phone. Who this? <laughs> What did uh, what'd you get? Um, I got a, a newer Pixel, which is what I've had for a long time. Um, but I'm hoping that this solves a lot of my connection problems, along with my phone just was just, it was on its way out. So it's all good. I am shocked, appalled, shaking, and crying that you did not go dark side with iPhone. Never. I use <laughs> Mac for everything else. I use Mac for everything else, but I won't do an iPhone. Yeah, the only reason I went Mac, I, I say it like I just like converted to a cult. Um, pardon the the, uh, the the word I'm looking for, uh, irony because of your name. But anyway, um, yeah, I I much like I love my PC and I love my Androids, but I'm sorry, the file sharing and ease of access with uh, Apple stuff, like I I couldn't say no to that, you know. Yeah, no doubt. I I definitely think there's some things, especially now. I mean, I can't get a badge. You know, I mean, what what kind of cult am I not able to get in now? Cause I can't get a badge. So I mean, ripping pepperonis, you're off brand, right? I know I may have to go like buy an iPhone for the day, set up my badge and then go take it back. That's sort of what I'm thinking right now. An iPhone for the day. If only like, I guess that's like wealth goals, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, I would fully take it back. So <laughs> not, not to keep it or go rent one for a day or find somebody with one. Um, and just like, a red one for the day do you have to like, do, so, be like purses are you kidding i was well i mean if you keep the receipt why not right but i mean like i wonder like do you like if i downloaded the twitter app onto an ios device and then and then went into my account and then did the batch i do it that way or does it have to have been set up on an ios device the account would have to be set up on an ios device originally uh what for for twitter accounts? yeah for the badge for the twitter badge Oh, for the badge, yeah. If you if you signed up on iOS because the payment structure is on iOS, thou must make sure if that you manageth thine accounteth on iOS. Yes. Ugh. So I won't be. Able, I wouldn't be able to get one even if I wouldn't just like used a friend's iPhone or something to do it. Well, you couldn't manage it. Is the problem. Hmm. Heard. So, like, you you could have the check mark. Do delete all emojis. Uh, do not do what half of us did. Steph, looking at you, I don't know if you regret your dragon. I've got like the stars on mine too. Like, you you can't modify your name. I'm sure you know that though. Yeah, I've never modified mine, even though I feel like I I could have a couple times. But I think I'm all in at this point. It's uh, well, you've got you know the custom text and everything. That's that's the way to go. Oh, yeah. Um, guys, this man, this man, I I went through. I made beautiful graphics about. I think I've got you for the content audit. Um, I was all done. I was super excited to show him, and I was like, "Look, I made a beautiful graphic of my new thingy, my bobber." And he's like, "Uh, can you can you change the font? Can you can you change the font in my name?" I was like, "Boy." <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, this is coming from about years of branding, so. I was ranked number one. I was in the top 1% in corporate brand identity for a few years. Um, so Damn, sir. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a little yeah. bit OCD about typefaces, you know. All the respect. All the respect. <laughs> um, 
let me say hi to people. Um, I've already said hi to Steph, but I'm going to like formally say hi. Hi, Steph. Um, Jeremy, it's good to see you. Coda, Quantum, Misfit, Julia, Rich, Gabby, Steph. Oh, my God. Um, it's good to see you guys in here. Hello. Um, really excited for this topic today. Really, really excited for it. Um, mostly because I want to talk about scarcity from a foundation of, well, uh-oh, what if I've already minted? And what if I feel like I've already like over-minted? Um, as well as planning for scarcity within the future. So thinking about like what we can do now with whatever situation you feel like you are in, as well as um, getting ahead of the problem too. And I think that now is a really good time to talk about it because a lot of our attention is actually away from marketing and selling. So we're, we're in a, a good moment right now where planning, I think, is, is optimal for the future. And I, I recognize that a lot of us aren't feeling exactly um, optimistic about this space right now. Um, but I still think that even if, um, how do I want to position that? I think that no matter what happens with our platforms, there's just so much uncertainty within the space. You know, whatever happens with our platforms, that this is a concept that is really important going forward for whatever the heck happens. Um, and I hate to like start it on a, on a downer like that, but um, I don't know. Black Label, can we can we open up real quick about um, feelings about Twitter and uh, and the space real quick? Like, um, what what are yeah. your feelings right now? I mean, you know. I sort of, I don't necessarily, I'm sort of like sitting on the fence with it, to be honest. Like, I don't think that, I think that overall corporate bloating is not a good thing. So I, I'm not necessarily against like, you know, a, in general, all politics aside and narratives aside, I think like going in, buying a new business, cleaning the house, making sure you got people on board that believe in what you're doing and that's it and moving forward. I think that's you know generally a good thing. However, I think there's also like a lot of problems with Twitter being slow and having issues. And that's because there's not people that are working on them. It's a little bit, you know, it, it's a little bit, seems to be a little bit haphazard. And I also think that there's just like a lot of maybe there's just a lot of information spinning around and it's hard to say like what you want to believe and what you don't. At the end of the day, I look at, you know, what my engagement's doing, what my, what my brand's doing, how I can utilize those things. And if it's a problem that other people are having too, then at least we're all in the same boat. And that's probably the only positive I can pull out of it. And it's not necessarily like, you know, it's not like my account's targeted or it's just mine that doesn't work or something else. And if everyone's having a challenge, then maybe it's something that, you know, will eventually be fixed. I don't think Twitter's going anywhere. It's, probably the number one social media platform in the world for a lot of reasons. I also think there's huge opportunities in the future for web three integrations and different types of shopping integrations and different things that I believe will eventually make it better. But perhaps this is just a time of chaos prior to order. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I spent the past two years writing the most comprehensive workbook in the world about this damn platform. And, um, no matter what I do, I'm sorry, not sorry. Uh, I am going to stick to my ethics where I want to make sure that I am onboarding artists onto platforms that are worthy of their work, that is personable and customizable to whatever their goals are. And I do think, and I am optimistic that Twitter is going to remain a fantastic platform for artists. But I mean, even my spirit wavers a little bit sometimes, you know, um, I just, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing right by everybody. And if it means that I have to, you know, sit on a workbook for a couple months, like that's literally what I did with the Instagram workbook. Um, 
I'm looking at it right now. Um, with like, it's it's just it's wild. It's it's absolutely wild. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I what did you say? Sorry, I think it cut out for a second. I was just gonna say I, that also gives you room to evolve, and I think as an education platform that you have, and and we're able to put this stuff out there, I think you know, things are never always like, there's nothing static in the universe. So everything's always going to evolve and change. And it's just opportunity to, you know, stay up on what's going on and ways to, you know, make what it is that you're doing, everyone here, make what it is that you're doing as efficient and effective as possible with the platform as it does change and being in spaces like these and syncing up with Kino and our workbooks and whatnot as they get updated over time is just a great way to stay on pace and understand how these things are going to affect you and, and your your brand. Oh, completely. And like part of the reason I'm not worried about it. Well, the first reason I'm not worried about it is because I don't think that it is going to universally change into like a complete chimera of what Twitter is right now. I, I do think that they will continue to innovate in the directions that I've been talking about for the past two years. Um, but also to that, you know, the workbook has a lot of, um, I feel like I'm bragging, um, it has a lot of concepts in there that are fucking industry breaking. And I am very confident that even if like the algorithm changes, the algorithm is still one tool. And the rest of the content in the book, I think, is is not necessarily universal in, in their detail, but still universal across a multitude of social media. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still optimistic about Twitter. I'm, I'm trying not to uh, get bummerinoed out about this one. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that this is a, um, that I just, I just want to recognize that there is a lot of, a lot of uncertainty right now. And that if, if anybody in the audience feels that, um, if you are thinking about, you know, not necessarily even bailing off of Twitter, but bailing off of like Web3, like whatever is in your brain right now, I just want to acknowledge that you are not alone in those feelings. And I don't think that we talk about it enough. Um, and uh, that, that's one reason that, you know, I want to continue having these spaces is not because I am deluded. And I think that like, um, I, I, um, not deluded in thinking that like web three is like the only way. Um, most of you know that I do web two and web three marketing. And no matter what, art is going to be there. Art is something that is recession proof. And I think that again, like no matter what happens, I think that having these conversations and putting the education out there to give you options is the way to go. So that's why I'm still here doing this. Um, I, I just want to make sure that, um, yeah, that uh, we're also acknowledging our fears and um, and talking about it openly, though. Um, so I suppose I should, uh, on that note, then let's uh, let's welcome everybody to the room one more time then. Um, Joe, I see you. It's good to see you, my friend. Amy, Evo, Metz, hello. Um, Welcome to our Tuesday Marketing Space. Um, this is a movement that is catered to growing a global network of creative wealth. This is for anyone under the creative umbrella. So whether you are a digital artist, traditional artist, photographer, sex worker, stream work, um, streamer, author, um, web two, web three, whatever, you are all more than welcome here. Um, let me first direct your attention to the pin tweet above. Um, the very first one, if you are introverted, 
nonverbal or just not in a place to talk, please ask us questions in that tweet. You are also more than welcome to request and just like vibe on the proverbial couch. Um, just say hi, leave, whatever. Um, this space is yours just as much as it is, it is mine. Um, also, uh, I'm going to do it again, Black Label. I'm so sorry. Cover your ears. Um, you are more than welcome to scissor me as well. Down below, right next to the bubble on the right-hand side, you will see a pair of scissors. Um, that is a way to clip the space. So if there is something that is said up here that you felt was valuable or, um, I don't know, just something that you want to share um, or clip for me because I will be doing audio clips, um, you have the next two hours to scissor me. So please hit that scissor clip whatever you guys want to and send it to me. Um, and if this is your first time here, welcome. Um, thanks to everybody who has retweeted the room. And um, I don't really think I have anything to boost other than uh, the additions. Um, God, I haven't checked on my additions in a while. Um, Black Label, what's uh, what's going on in your, in your world real quick? You got anything to boost? Yeah, so I actually just started um, minting a new series yesterday. The first one was minted yesterday morning and sold out in like, it sold in like less than five minutes. Um, and the second one I minted this morning. So you guys can check that out on my page. And other than that, community-wise, I just want to shout out um, to AIIA and all the things we're doing, we're about to launch a uh, larger AI art contest um, with Nifty, um, uh, spearheaded with Charles, aka Hodel France. And so that's going to be a huge one. If you guys are interested in that, keep watch of MySpace or go check out Charles's page as well. Um, and that'll be a really, really good opportunity for especially newer people in the AI art space to get into a really fine art, um, elite uh, curated event. So that that's another big thing. I want to. I really shouldn't say I want to like gag about things all the time. Um, it's like a terrible figure of speech. I need to <laughs> I need to learn myself out of, but I'm just, I, I want to talk about all of the things that you have moving and shaking. I'm not going to just in case I dock something, but goddamn, I'm just, I'm so proud of you. Black label. <laughs> that's like, that's like two of like 12 things. So I don't want yeah, to, I, know, I, know. I could burn up another 20 minutes on that, but, but yeah. <laughs> can't wait to join you in like advocating for my own space you know yes. um, okay so what i want from our listeners today um please again write down any questions or feedback that you might have in the bubble on the bottom right um feel free to request um this is an open stage open discussion um we are going to start with just a little bit of kind of a, a lecture slash discussion about scarcity so if you want to come up and contribute, feel more than free to request. Uh, the stage is, is yours just as much as it is mine. Um, so yeah, grab a notebook um, or a pencil, open up a documents app and uh, take some notes with us because uh, we're going to dive into this. Um, on top of that, um, I would like to push a hashtag. Um, I've got uh, like hashtag Twitter workbook um, with what you've shared and learned. So if you have learned about like the, uh, the um, profile audits that we're going to do a little bit later, have something to share about uh, the scarcity discussion, please use hashtag Twitter workbook so I see it and I can retweet those and uh, get some, some more of that education out there. Um, so yeah, just uh, segueing straight into the discussion real quick then. Um, Black Label, I know that you had a couple of um, 
thoughts about this. And we, we did fractionalize and, and summarize within uh, our discussion about this. But I wonder if starting from inversing our thinking about scarcity might be a way to kick it off. And what I mean by that is that th there's two ways of thinking about scarcity, I think. And of course, it has everything to do with rarity or how much work do I have and how often should I be putting it out there? But I feel like there are, I feel like there's a couple of ways to approach it though. And one is if somebody is worried about like how many pieces they can produce, a lot like my portfolio. Um, so my portfolio is limited because I am no longer shooting. So the amount of shots that I have and the amount of shots that I have edited is basically what I have to weigh against whatever my release schedule is. And then on top of that, leverage that emotionally to people and letting them know that there is a, a profound, not only scarcity to my work, but a rarity in them as far as like the, the content is concerned. Um, and then the other way of approaching it, I think too, is if you're worried about scarcity because you have a lot of production or a lot of work that is already out there. And I think that you're a great candidate to start this one off back label because you do have that collection of, it was more than 30. I miss speaking about that, but you do have that, that large um, collection that you mentioned on Tez. And um, I, I kind of want to reverse that with um, the, the fear that a lot of artists have wherein they think, oh no, I have too much work out there. And now there's nothing that I can do to bring that back and introduce scarcity into my work. Um, so jumping off from either one of those, really, um, do you have any thoughts on, uh, on either? Yeah, I think it's, you know, there's always this principle of supply and demand throughout everything. And you can't have more than one or the other. And I think that, I mean, obviously you can, but it's just something that becomes a struggle one way or the other. And so I think within this world of things and, you know, with me being sort of in the AI world of things, it's very easy to produce a lot of work. And just because you can do that doesn't necessarily mean that one, it will sell or two, it's valuable. And so I think that you have to curate the way that you approach that and the way that when you, when you take these things to market, you have to think about it as a volume. Um, I'll just give an example. You know, if you go to put out a series and you have a hundred pieces, I'm going to use, I'm going to be very exaggerating with all this, just to prove a point. But if you have a hundred pieces, then you're looking essentially for 100 buyers, whether that is for one Tez or one ETH, it doesn't matter. You're still looking for a volume of 100 buyers. Now, with Twitter and the way things operate on social media, you have to think about, this is how I think about it. You have to think about conversion rates, the amount of eyes you're in front of, um, and what the percentage is of people that are, one, in the market or in that specific market, especially in the blockchain, like which, you know, which chain are they on, which chain are they investing on, and then how many are going to see it, how many are going to click there, how many are going to go there, how many are going to buy it. Every single time is a percentage of people that don't do that. And so if you have 100 things you're trying to sell, it's significantly more challenging to do that, regardless of what it is. Even if you, and a lot of people are doing like additions and you know, I'm going to do 30 additions of this one thing. Well, you're still looking for 30 buyers. Which one is easier to do? Going to get one buyer or 30 buyers for one thing? So I think like thinking about this stuff as opportunity to create scarcity and to make sure that what you're putting out there does have a smaller supply to match the demand that you have. Again, this kind of goes into scalability of your own business. This goes into 
um, the amount of people that you have, you know, following your brand, the amount of collectors you have and that sort of thing. And as you scale, that rule kind of changes because you can then offer more things more often, but you also want to make sure you're riding the wave and not ahead of it or not behind it. Um, you know, there's a few people right now that are doing really well. And what they're doing is essentially what I mentioned um, when we first started was that, you know, I minted a new series yesterday. I started with one piece. I probably have around 11 to 14 finalized pieces right now that I could have done. But if I put all those out at one time, you know, now I'm looking at, let's just say 15 for round numbers. And now I have 15 pieces. I'm looking for 15 sales immediately. And what am I going to do? Market that every single day for people to come try to get the same people to come look at the same thing. No, I'd rather do piece by piece and I can market that one thing, focus my energy on the one thing. And then if there's someone's like, hey, you know, I really love this stuff. When's your next one going to be? Now I've, now I've created demand for something um, because there's people looking for the work. And if something doesn't sell, then I will keep pushing the marketability and, you know, sh shilling, if you will, that one thing until it's gone. Then I have an opportunity to make something else. So it's a matter of like, controlling the flow of the sale and, and that creates scarcity which then increases demand and that's just basic like marketing economics i would say hopefully that kind of gets a little bit of insight on my thought process behind yeah that. it does and um I, I think that analyzing that that relationship is, is very important of course the difficulty or i think the challenge of speaking about scarcity in such a general way is that there is no one prescription. And what I mean by that is like, look at um, uh, Jeff. Jeff just released his, um, his nightmare fuel. And I don't remember exactly how many there were, let's just say 666 for the heck of it, um, because it's nightmare fuel. Um, and um, I know that he didn't sell all of those, but does that mean that he has betrayed his scarcity or that he has failed because he hasn't fully minted out? I don't think so at all. Um, but I do think that it's very easy for us as artists to internalize not selling out as a type of failure. And that, I think, causes a lot of us to not necessarily panic, but definitely have a moment where we betray our own interests and our own value, especially our floor value, um, to modify our prices, burn things, and then redo things. And throughout this conversation, I just want to make sure that I am coming out of the gate and saying that there is no one prescription. Um, I would encourage everybody to make sure that they are kind of like customizing whatever we're talking about with their experience. Um, but uh, one, of, one of the reasons too um, is that I, I had a, uh, an artist last year, I believe her name is Irene. I always say her name wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, but her prices, like collectors were telling her that she is crazy for having prices the way that she, um, that she had them because she hadn't sold a damn thing yet. Her prices were like 0.6 ETH or something like that. And back when, you know, ETH was over 2K, that was a lot of money. Um, but she knew her worth, she knew her value, and she also prolifically produced new, beautiful pieces, but still decided to stick to her guns. And you know what? 
after two months of talking, she is now completely sold out of absolutely everything consistently, but still at the same time going through that imposterism of wanting to, um, of thinking that like her work isn't valuable and like attempting to betray it, but, but still backsliding every time right before she does that. And I am so fucking proud of artists who are able to, yes, acknowledge the imposterism and acknowledge the fear, but still move in a way that protects not only the community, not only the community are we protecting here, but yourself and your portfolio. So when we talk about scarcity, I'm sorry, when we talk about scarcity, just make sure that you are respecting your work and, um, not betraying um, uh, your your own thoughts around um, around how you move in the space. Go ahead, Black. Yeah, absolutely. I think something you brought is really important. So I just want to highlight one thing. You can also create scarcity with pricing. It doesn't necessarily 100%. mean that it's not just the volume of work, but it's you can create scarcity with pricing. And I think I see a lot of people, especially in like the Tezos world of things on object, where they're creating stuff and they're putting it out there for like two Tez or something. And I think. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. There's no problem with that. But if you're if you're really going into a space of creating like fine art, it's not going to be worth like four dollars. Like that's not what your worth is. You should look at things as your worth. And as Kino said, it's a matter of pricing. Where like the pricing I had, I think was a little bit higher than what most people were doing. And but the thing was, is that I actually um, besides the sale that I made yesterday, I sold out of my, the rest of my series yesterday that I that I had minted at the end of September. I sold out all the rest of them where they're now sold out as of yesterday. And all of those I kept the, I kept all the same pricing because that's what I felt like they were worth. And as I move up and things grow and what I what I perceive as my own works value to grow, not because I'm arbitrarily throwing a higher number out of because I believe that it's worth more then I will continue to do that. And that will be the price. And there's not going, I'm not going to lower it just to make a sale because then that lowers the value for myself as well as those who have invested into the work prior. So as we work in this like Web3 NFT space of things, people who are buying now, maybe this won't be the case forever. Actually, hopefully that it won't be the case forever, but the people who are buying now are buying things as an investment. That's what they're looking at. Very rarely are they buying these things to put them into a frame on the wall in their house. They're not doing that. They're buying it because they're investing into you as a creator, as well as that specific blockchain. So if someone you know, goes in and, and buys something with one ETH, they're investing one ETH into an object. And so I think it's important to think about the way that you portray your value over time. And the way that that reflects upon the people who've invested with you before. So stick to your guns, know your worth, and make sure that you know, you're representing your work in the best way possible and not cheapen it just to make a sale either. To that, and then I'm going to call on, uh, on Quantum here and give him some space. Oh, um, Moses, I have um, approved you three times, Meow, and uh, you're stuck in perpetual loading. So I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on, friendo, um, but I am doing my best to get you up here. Um, I also want to say hi to uh, Rich, Crypto, Pete, BK. Hello, friends. Um, thanks once again to everybody who's uh, retweeted the space. I, I really do think that this is an important conversation. Um, so I'm glad that, uh, that we have some, uh, some more listeners in here. Um, 
real quick then for, for scalability, um, obviously my platform right now is not about my photography. It is about my education. Um, but at the same time, when I mint, I do want to do it in a way that does respect the scalability that I believe is coming for me and that I believe, um, like black label, if we were to talk, um, about, um, about scarcity, then we would have a conversation about where are you going and how are you scaling? Quantum, you're the exact same way. Gabe, you're the same. Fede, like all the coda. Um, you guys are much the same way where I would want to encourage you to be optimistic about the future as well. Um, now, the the, uh, the other difficulty on top of that, um, though, is that obviously we want to make a living off of our work. So promoting scarcity in a way that does not factor into secondary sales or um, respecting the, um, that initial cost, um, for, yeah, the, the initial cost, excuse me. Um, that also needs to definitely be within however we are positioning ourselves for that scarcity too. So, um, quantum, I'm sure that you have something else on your mind too. Um, but I also want to ask you when you are thinking about, um, your releases, um, your additions, et cetera, are you also considering the scalability of your platform and how you're innovating within the space? Hello. Um, Hi. And thank you for uh, like, I love that you always have these spaces that are productive. So like, and you know, I try to do the same. Um, and so I was like, oh, I, this one sounds like a, a juicy one. I definitely wanted to get in. And I have some experience in, you know, in selling for the last two years. And so like, yeah, I'm always thinking about like, you know, how to build on what I've built. Um, but I'm also like scarcity has so many different meanings. It's, it's, it can, you know, like black label said, it could be pricing, it could be timing, it could be, you know, the, the number of, of pieces you're putting out in a collection. And so I've, you know, I have a, a collection that I released last, you know, December, right. During the height of gas at 300 and, and, uh, you know, uh, Ethereum was in the high three thousands and it didn't sell out. It still hasn't sold out. Um, but you know, and yes, I was like, it definitely you can't get around the emotions you feel when things don't sell out and you expect them to. Um, and so I, you know, definitely felt slightly defeated, um, but I just kept working on it and working and working and it just wasn't connecting with people. And I said, all right, you know, and I thought about a lot of ways of like, all right, how do I get it to sell? Do I lower the price? Do I make it a free mint when all the free mints were going crazy? And I was like, no, no, I'm, going to stick to my guns on this because it's the work is special to me i like the you know the project and i'm just going to kind of you know promote it when i promote it and see what happens um and and i've also really and i think we all have been like testing different things like and i think the testing happens because of like market conditions you know i think jeff jag when he did his first uh you know the um not the rent heads, the fiat heads, right? Yeah. It was like a free mint and, or like really cheap. And like, you know, those are the market conditions at the time, you know? And so like, I kind of, uh, just this last week, I did a open edition with Manifold and I've never done one before. I usually don't do many editions. Um, and, but like some of my one-on-ones I price higher and I was like, you know what? Part of doing an open edition at really low was to be like, you know what? There's a lot of people who 
want to support me or want to own a piece of mine, but they can't afford it. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do an open edition. And, you know, a few sold who are like just people who always support me. And that's awesome in the first few days. Um, and then on Friday, I like posted that it was going to end. And 90% of them sold when it was going to end. So the scarcity of time, the compression of time at that moment, and then people saying, oh, I can't believe I missed out. I was like, it's been open for three days, you know, and it was really cheap. You could have bought it at any time, um, but you didn't. Um, and I ended up selling, you know, 45, you know, which was way more than I was expecting. I was like, eh, maybe 10, 12, you know, um, you know, would be cool. But I ended up selling 45 in a crazy market of, you know, <laughs> the crypto world going on fire all of the end of last week. And it just taught me one of these things. Like sometimes the scarcity is timing, but sometimes it's a matter of like – yeah, we want people to hold our work, but people want to support us as well. And sometimes our pricing is so out of the realm, and I we should have stuff that's priced out of the realm of the, the most people. And those are like looking for those, you know, rare, you know, uh, um, collectors who will support us at that higher price. But sometimes I feel like offering something like this doesn't have to be all the time, and I don't think it should be used as a marketing tool really heavily uh, because you will – you know, uh, water down your base because you just keep offering free, 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 or very cheap, very cheap. Um, but I think every once in a while, something like this does help boost you and does help be like, hey, you know, this is something that you everybody can afford and people want to support each other. And then you never know what your history is because they know, they see us all building, you know, and like, I think my future looks, you know, pretty hopeful. I'm, I'm going, you know, in the right direction and keep doing this. So like maybe those additions will be worth something to all those people and that can pay them back. Um, so I don't know. It's a lot of it's a lot of game gaming the market and the timing and, and the pricing. You know, there's a lot of things to think about when we're going into this market like this. But it's fun. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I'm trying to get uh, Moses up here. Pardon. Yeah, I think I think that's really interesting what you said, Quantum, about just like trying to adapt to the market demand. I think that's important too. And um, not that you're insinuating this, but I, I, just to clarify what I meant too, I don't necessarily think like you know staying with one thing the whole time. Like if if it isn't working, you also have to be malleable too. And so I, I like that approach and the way you kind of broke that down. Um, because you, you have to adapt and you have to evolve, but it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, lower price equals sales. It just means that you have to find some worth and find some balance there. And there is a give and take with that process still. And, and what I've noticed, not to hog the room, um, I've been really, you know, and Kino, I have to like give you a lot of credit for like keeping my mindset on the marketing side. Um, and I've been really trying to pay more attention since September of like, all right, when I retweet something or when I tweet out something of mine, like then see what moves the needle. And Waveform Collapse, you know, it sold out, you know, in, in September. Um, but it, I still have sales every few days, right? And I've noticed that when I retweet, when I tweet it out, I'm not like constantly pushing it, but every once in a while, I'll put out a tweet about like, hey, this is an awesome one or a quote underneath it and show the, the work. And it almost immediately always leads to some new collector finding a, a piece and, and collecting from it or someone who has one and wants another one. Um, and so like there's this direct correlation between which we all know um, is marketing and sales, right? It, it works. 
Um, and I'm trying to refine it because I never want to feel like, um, you know, the person who's always just shilling. Um, but I, I do think we have to get over ourselves and put our work out there or else we never get any sales. So, you know, it's very encouraging to know that this collection is still selling. You know, I just sold like, you know, seven or eight of them in the last two weeks, which is kind of fantastic. Two, someone bought two last night and I was just like, oh, wow, like not off the floor either. They didn't just want to be part of the collection. They chose, you know, two at much higher prices, um, which is just encouraging that we're on the right path. Um, and then we keep just like data points, you know, we keep, uh, you know, logging them and, and making sure that we use those th same things in the future. Hey, congratulations, Fando. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like an overall plan, but let me go to Chris first and uh, then I'll, I'll go off on our, uh, our slight tangent. Chris, how you doing? I'm good. I just, you know, figure while well, my phone's dying, I'll try and interject a bit here. Um, it's almost going to echo what Quantum was just saying. Something that, like, I'm the I'm probably the least experienced person in selling NFTs or selling art through NFTs. But as a person who, you know, does collect a little bit and, like, is more of a on the consumer side, something that I felt like when we were, we were part, I was part of a collection called AI Robots, and something I felt after, like, sales started dying down, it was like, well, we need to do something fun with this, something that we could do now. And so that's why I started doing these like these bot battles on, you know, spaces whenever I could, because it added a story to the bots that we already sold because an owner can come and battle and it doesn't really require much of their involvement. It's just, you know, kind of we just do it as a little spaces event. And it's, you know, it's almost like radio theater of D&D &D radio theater. And, you know, using Nifty Kit, we can add the wins to the to the bot. And it adds like this other form of scarcity where it's like if you battle a bot and you have a win streak, like your bot is now more rare than all the other ones that didn't, you know, because of that. And I, I always like push this to people because adding stories to what you sell could mean so much. Um, I'm a filmmaker, more of my trade. So everything I'm intending on creating, I'm intending on using all these use cases and trying to do it with, you know, with zombies and shit like that, that I'm developing for something way bigger. That'll fucking take me years to build. But, you know, that's the other part of what I would say would add to scarcity is try and add a story to it. Another person to follow. That's really good is a guy named Griff crypto. Um, he, he's doing a really awesome series that has like this scarcity storytelling to it, but he's doing it within the NFTs. And it's really, really cool. And so, you know, that's all I'd say. I mean, and also, when we did start the bot battles, I think the day we were promoting it, we had like five or six sales happen. And then the next time we promoted it, we had another three or four happen. So it's like that whole thing that Quantum was talking about, about doing a little bit of marketing, even if it's just people looking at the page, gets it bumped up that much further. So it's, you know, it's that little bit of marketing, even if you can't follow through or the owners don't come through to help you build that story, just doing that little bit of marketing could get you some sales and get you some, you know, at least more view on your, on your project. Completely. Um, Jimena, how are you? Um, I'm amazing. Um, and also very chilly, very cold here in St. Louis. Oh, right no. now. I I know of your work uh, from my friend Diana Palinur, who months and months ago I think hosted you, um, and she prays about you. And to be honest with you, I've been busy and had never had the blessing to sit and listen to you. And I'm very grateful to be here. I 
love this topic because it's a topic that causes so much shame uh, for me personally, and I know I'm not alone in this boat. Um, just super quick context. Uh, my art is, is about healing and it's about healing shame. And it's marketing. It's like rooted in shame for me, like personally. Again, like I'm not comparing myself to anybody. Don't don't believe what I'm saying. Uh, but I'm just like talking from my heart. Uh, also, Joseph is a, a good friend, uh, a, 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 almost like a, a family member here. So I'm happy to to be up here. But um, I just kind of wanted to like like share my my two cents on this. Uh, I first of all absolutely suck at scarcity um and is rooted um again like for me this is like a healing journey um and also uh i you know personally um feel like this opportunity of being in nfts as an artist is definitely an opportunity for exploration uh i am very very new you know to kind of deep into the 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 self-belief that i am an artist you know i fight with the imposter syndrome every day um and i have taken this journey as as that as an exploration of I really have to turn every stone and it's truly a journey of, of the heart and like going through like everything. Um, and I think marketing is just, uh, you know, an opportunity from for shame resilience um, for me and learning how to talk from the heart. You know, I'm somebody that experienced a lot of childhood trauma and that affected uh, how I communicate verbally and in, in, in writing too. Um, and I either overshare as I'm doing right now or go completely silent. And one of the things that I've learned from kind of these marketing, uh, you know, opportunities that it's almost like you have to learn your own canvas, your own tunement, your own pace and give yourself a lot of rest and also learning how to show up consistently. Um, so, you know, I just, I, again, find it incredibly healing not easy. Uh, it gets really lonely at times just because we, I personally get into like these shameful kind of, you know, conversations with my inner critic. Oh, you didn't sell out your collection. What are you going to do now? You really, really have to talk more about your work uh, and get, you know, that, that is so uncomfortable for me. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, I transparently would not change anything that's happened uh, for me so far. Uh, I'm just super, super incredibly grateful, uh, you know, for the journey and the opportunity and just grateful for you guys also for this space because uh, I think it's very helpful. So, yeah. Jimena, welcome in. Um, it's good to meet you. Also, did you say that um, you uh, you live in Brazil, if you don't mind? No, I'm in St. Louis in Missouri. So for, uh, oh, okay. I'm from Bogota, from Colombia. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I am very passionate about making sure that all of my resources are available, um, especially in the, the Brazilian real right now, um, because <laughs> they're not treating them right. Um, so I, I don't know if you're open to uh, to talking after this, but I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about uh, about that if, uh, if you're okay to do that. Please, please, oh, let's DM at 1000%. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, I also wonder too, then, um, because you have a lot of these feelings that, uh, that we're trying to open up and talk about, um, would you mind if we dig a little bit into the specifics of how you're feeling about 
um, not planning for scarcity, I suppose, because I'm looking at your website right now and it looks like quite a bit of it is sold out. Am I, am I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong. Um, I have sold out a full collection of 101s uh, back in March that I minted uh, on Nifty Kit. Um, I have sold out a 22 uh, or 222 uh, uh, NFTs on Tesla's on FS Hash, but I also have a lot of also work that uh, has not been sold out and is there for sale now. I have uh, editions at a lower price around like $30 or so. And I also have a generative collection of 101s at 0.09 ETH, um, that 120 of them have sold out. As, as a matter of fact, as I was listening to you, somebody just purchased one, uh, and it's a total of, uh, 555 NFTs. And the utility of that one is that, uh, I am giving away, it's kind of like a raffle of infinite objects. So random collectors have already gotten uh, a little screen. Uh, the shipping is not included, but the, the screen, uh, it's included. It's, you know, I'm, I'm basically buying it, uh, for the collector and sending it as a, as a gratitude. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have quite a lot and I need to update my link tree and probably like, you know, be, uh, do, do some sort of like tweet with the Ansel work. Um, I'm going to do that for sure, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm super open to talk about it. To be honest, this is like, I, I love to talk about stuff in, and the shame behind it and, and the imposter syndrome and uh being authentic and digging digging in deeper because uh, that's you know that's kind of my journey yeah of course um we also want to um of course protect your portfolio while we're at it too um but i i, I really think that as long as we are cultivating an authenticity and how you want to move within the space respecting your boundaries and then of course applying the different values utilities like whatever you want to call them um to your nfts and of course art for the sake of art is enough um but yeah like coming culminating all of these different elements into a way to move in the space or even like again kind of I, I i sometimes hesitate to say modify because i don't want to encourage people to like go burn their stuff because they're doing it wrong like of course not um but like how can we modify it and move within the space to make sure that we are respecting scarcity if in fact that is something that you want to care about um but to yours though the, the next question that i had was with all of the um, editions and one ones that you have minted, uh oh, oh no, there you are. I'm sorry. Um, within all of the uh, editions and things that you have minted, uh, do you have different utilities for each of them, um, including like art for the sake of art? Like, do you do you have do you heavily differentiate your collections by utility? No, <laughs> like a hundred percent believer that um, you know I'm here for the art. And authenticity is the utility. Um, also, because I make abstract art, it's kind of hard to tell you why I draw a triangle in a line or a circle. Um, and so I, I, yeah, maybe that's, you know, the thing that I maybe should, you know, kind of open up more. Um, but I don't per se believe um, 
that I, you know, yeah, long story short, um, yeah, I, I don't have a utility per se. Oh, no, 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 you're, yeah. you're perfect. I, I'm not saying that or not asking that, excuse me, I'm not asking because I think you should. Um, I'm just trying to get a barometer, I suppose, for exactly like what we're dealing with so we can open up the conversation in a way that uh, doesn't make a lot of assumptions. So we t- say things that um, aren't relevant for you, you know? Um, so Black Label, I, I want to um, roll you back in here, if uh, if you don't mind, um, because of, of your branding experience um, and, and our previous conversation about this, um, being art for the sake of art, and you also have, I think, a collection of art for the sake of art, um, how would you recommend then somebody who has minted and not sold out um, again, not necessarily pivot, but move within the space in a way that does encourage um, an air of scarcity. And I, I, I honestly think that that's through marketing that I'll talk about a little bit, but I, I wonder if you have any initial thoughts. I think my one subject that um, we haven't talked about is just burning NFTs. Like, I think that's one thing. And I, I'm, I have mixed feelings about that. I think that um, a lot of people, I've seen people do it successfully where they're like, hey, um, this stuff is a month old. I'm going to burn it in the next 48 hours unless it sells. Um, come get it if you want it. And that is almost like a fireside or a fire sale. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's, it's this thing where it creates a sense of urgency. And I see from a marketing standpoint how that works. I also don't necessarily agree with it from like an art standpoint because if it's work that you're really proud of and you want it out there, then, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, um, like it kind of makes it seem like you just don't care about it. But I also think that there's a way to do that in a respectful way to the work where it's like, Hey, I'm burning these. I'm taking them off mint. Uh, they're going back in my vault and uh, they'll be used at a later date up until the next 48 hours. You have to go get them. Like that's a way I think you could, it, the way that you angle that and the way that you put it out there is like, Hey, like I'm going to put this back in my own reserves because I love it so much. And if you want it, you got 48 hours to come pick it up or whatever it is. So I think like th- there's ways to do that. And I think um, you have to market it in that way. I think that some people take a wrong approach where they say stuff like this hasn't sold, so I'm going to burn it. <laughs> I think it's just like a, it really devalues what you're doing and it makes it seem like you don't even value what you have is, you know, I think it just, a lot of times what we do with marketing and the way that we handle sales and customers and clients and brand, it's all about perception. It doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means the way that you project these things matter. If you know, there's a difference between like the, at the core of it, if I were to burn something, the way I go about uh, projecting that out into the marketplace determines the reaction from it. It's like, oh, I don't, you know, this isn't selling. So I'm just going to burn it and get rid of it. That makes it, I devalue my work. If I say, hey, I'm absolutely in love with these pieces. They haven't moved. I'm going to take them back and put them into my own reserves because I love them so much. Now I've just increased their value because I'm saying you can't have it anymore because they're, they're going to be mine now. They're no longer open for sale. So I think like that, it, then the action is exactly the same. It's the same action. It's just the way that I brand that and the way that I market that changes things. So I think that's one thing. As far as having extra work out there too, I, I tend to, my own you know, I, maybe I should drink some of my own Kool-Aid, but, but the way that I look at it is, you know, when I put out a series in, in late September, I had a, you know, I'd say like 75, 80% of them sold. And I had a couple, you know, stragglers. And 
I didn't really market them at all. Like I didn't do anything after that because I didn't want to, I, I see that a lot of people like constantly market their stuff and their entire account is that. And I'm, I'm to me personally, my, my brand and what I'm doing, I find myself to be much more than what I'm selling on a marketplace. Like I'm here for the community. I'm here to help people. I'm here to work with people. I'm here to learn and grow and like all these things. And I don't want my entire feed to be like literally me trying to sell my stuff. Like that's not, I, I'm just not really about that. And so to me, I don't really want to do that. So if I have something that's sitting there for sale, I've got my links up. If people are interested, they're going to find it. Um, that doesn't mean that you, you know, that that's not a, if, if you build it, they will come kind of mentality. It's just a matter of, you know, people, again, it's about investment and they're investing in what you're doing. And I've had people come to me one because they like the work, but because of other things that I'm doing, like, man, like this guy's account, it's going to get bigger. It's going to be more valuable. I need to invest in it now. And then that creates a sense of scarcity as well. So because it, because timeline can be scarcity too. Time can be scarce. So I think it's the way that you portray these things and the way you put them out there and the way that you go about trying to sell extra work that you have, you can do it in a way that's not like, oh my God, I haven't sold anything. You should come buy it because no one's bought it. No, no one cares about that. Like nobody cares about that. So, I, but the way that you present it, you can, the action can still be the same that you only have X, Y, Z left, you know? And like, for example, you have five pieces left. There's two ways to say that. One is, oh my God, I've got five pieces left and they haven't sold how horrible this is. I'm never going to sell anything. If you want it, please, oh my God, come buy it. Or you say, I only have five pieces. Left. There's only five left. Out of everything I've got, I've only got five. Now it's the exact same thing, but I framed it opposite. And now one devalued it, one added value to it. So it's just the way that you project these things. And I, I encourage people to think about how you're putting it out there and whether your, your message when you put it out, is it adding value to what you have or is it removing value from what you have? I feel like this is like one of those tag yourself in the comments. Which one are you? Um, I'm number one, anxiety. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just very excited um, about how... Um, Black Label was talking about that because um, I had just mentioned to you, Kino, that I was thinking about burning all my pieces. And just today I was like, you know what, instead of burning them, I'm going to vault them um, because of that. Because like I'm like, I still love these pieces. Like I had burned two in the collection already because I just didn't feel connection to them. I was like, OK, these aren't the representation of who I am anymore. Like they are not my top of the top. So I was like, OK, this is not. I don't want these to be a representation. I don't want to sell something to someone that isn't my highest value. So that made sense to me. And then now I'm like very excited about this. I haven't publicly announced it, but just to try to be like, okay, like these have been, I've been trying to sell them for months and I still see a lot of value in them. Um, but they're just, it's just not working out. So I'm like, well, they're still extremely valuable to me. So they're just, I'm going to own them myself and like full, like, it's just like, they're mine now until whatever happens, happens. But I really like that concept of vaulting and just putting them on my ledger instead of burning them and sending them off to the ether. Sorry. Um, I'm not going to dox a, uh, a previous conversation that I had today, but I had an artist who was, I'm being very careful. Um, I had an artist who had a work that was, it's in a wallet of somebody who is a bad person. And our conversation went to self-custody, but especially self-custody and autonomy over your own damn 
work. I think that we did a lot of damage to artists last year by telling them like what the rules of the blockchain are and that if you skirt them, you will die. And I'm glad that we're having more of these conversations about autonomy over your work and self-custody and ownership. And this is this is all great. I'm very happy. Um, I'm going to let Quantum go and uh, then go on a rant. Go ahead, Fred. Well, your rant was exactly my thinking as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, the only reason I've ever advocated <clears throat> anybody to burn anything is they, if it was on a shared contract and they didn't control it, right? But once once the world came to um, Manifold and Nifty Kid and Bueno and all these other options, like, I, I think in certain situations like Kino, like you just said, like, you know, like the history I've, 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 you know, marked four of my tokens in waveform collapse uh, as stolen because they were stolen from collectors. And it's like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to mark them. I have the right to mark them. And I got a lot of flack for marking them and, and changing the metadata. They're like, well, we're supposed to be trust. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, and who do you want to trust? Who are we going to mark as who to trust? If you look at a wallet and you see something that says stolen, or if you just see work that's out there and maybe you buy it and it's not, you know, it was stolen. Um, yeah, the open sea thing, blah, blah, blah. There's plenty of marketplaces, but we have that ability to, to keep it. Um, and I, I also think it's one of those weird things as artists. Sometimes, like, I put out my first piece on Foundation, I don't know, about like six months ago. And it was a piece that I liked, but I was kind of like, eh, I don't think anybody's going to like this piece. It was black and white. It was kind of moody. It wasn't really my normal look. Um, and that one had, you know, five bidders. Um, so, like, it's hard for artists to give up that we're not the actual end judge of things, you know, and, like, the collectors are. And what you might not believe is your best work, a collector might resonate with and it might speak to them you know, on a completely different level than you would even imagine. Um, and so we have to be kind of mindful of that, that we're putting the work out there to get an emotional response, whether, and it's not our emotional response that matters. It's the collectors. It's the people who see it. Now, if it doesn't sell, like it just means that it hasn't found the new person. Um, but like each time, you know, I put out work and I think, Sorry, I'm going over a couple of topics. Black Label, when you were talking about, like, you know, whether to sell and say that you have five left or whether, oh, I only, you know, I need to sell these last five to being desperate. I also, like, go through the collection and I say, hey, this collection hasn't sold out yet, but you know what? I'm going to champion the people who did buy and did collect. And I'll put out tweets showing that. And it drives people to that collection, you know, like the collection that's still selling for over almost a year now. Like I still get sales on that. It just happens when someone buys, I say, hey, thank you for buying. This is awesome. And they, they and then all of a sudden people are like, oh, I just wasn't aware that it was even there, you know, and we put a lot of these mindsets on ourselves that, oh, nobody's seeing it. Everybody hates it. No, people just haven't seen it. Um, no matter how many times you tweet it, most people haven't. It adds a trust factor and adds like the value factor where when you start shouting out to other people, it's the same thing as like on a website, you have testimonials from clients. It's the same idea where it's like, or Amazon, you're looking at reviews or whatever. It's the same thing where it's like, you're publicly putting out there those who have already invested in something, those who have already purchased a product, service, or whatever it is. And that creates social proof and trust proof. And so those are like trust identifiers that are really big. And so like a lot of people... Um, when they're out in this space, like, especially, I think, 
I think mean, you see it with a lot of artists, like, you know, you, they make a sale. I mean, I, I've done, I did this yesterday several times, like, you, you know, they make a sale and um, you promote the fact that you got a sale, but you're also thinking the collector and you, you know, and there's like this kind of circular uh, pat on the back that happens, if you will. And I think that, that that's a good thing, but it's also a signal to other people that that's what's happening. And I think that celebrating other people's wins are good too. Like, for example, um, yesterday, someone that had collected something of mine, uh, they sold it on secondary for 10 times the amount that they bought it for me from. And like, even though, yeah, I've got royalties on that, but I, I made a post specifically because of that, because one, that's huge for them that they 10 X their investment on what they had purchased from me. And two, they were able to, um, you know, do that in a way that also promotes me because if I'm looking at that now, now what I've got could potentially be worth 10x for new investors. And so even though that was their win, it's also a win for me if I celebrate it as a win for me. And so it's, it's all a matter of, I, don't, I think there's, there's a trap of being too self-promotional where everything you do is self-promotional. And I, and I don't necessarily want that. And I, I don't want to do that. If I'm making sales every day, then you know, some of my content's obviously going to be about that. But at the same time, as I said before, like I'm in this for a lot of other reasons too. And so it's not just about those sales, but you also have to celebrate other people's wins in that space. So as you were just saying, like you're, you're um, calling out those who've invested in you before and worked with you before, that's a win from them. If, if their value from what their investment has, has gone up because they invested in you a year ago or six months ago versus now, and you're still going and you're still selling, like that's a good thing for them. That's a win for them. Even if it's post that happening, even if something didn't happen today for that, celebrating the fact that they did invest in you then also raises their own value too. And it's just a good shout out to do too. So I think like there's a lot of kind of cross promotional things that you can do as well, as you just said, um, that can help promote what it is that you're doing. Completely on board. Yeah. Um, what I was thinking as solutions to if you feel like you've over minted or you just haven't sold out on something, um, I've got five um, solutions. And of course, anybody can. I, I don't want this to be prescriptive again. So you can mix and match if you wanted to. Um, I would just, again, make sure that you are respecting your portfolio, respecting your boundaries, as well as please your prices. Um, naturally, the first one is, of course, you can definitely go ahead and burn things. But that is like scorched earth policy is not the first thing that I want to encourage anybody to go through. Um, the second thought that I had was, why can't you focus on marketing one at a time? Why does your link tree have to have absolutely everything all at once, all of the time? Um, one, I don't think that's a good idea in general. Um, two, I think that it creates uh, what we talk a lot about, which is choice paralysis, where if sure you have too many things that are out there and available, and especially if you lack a call to action, then your collectors are much less incentivized to go and buy the thing because they're just there's too much damn stuff to look at. Um, for the most part, they want to support you, your work. Sure, definitely, perhaps make an investment. That, like there are all kinds of reasons that collectors collect from you, but putting out too much of it can definitely um, be a detriment to your sales. So focusing, I think, on marketing one collection, one piece, one whatever at a time um, is definitely one way to, again, um, produce a, a perception of scarcity within your work. Also, it gives you a lot more time to uh, familiarize your collectors with a piece 
thereby making them more intimate, not only with um, with the piece, of course, but the process of making the piece. And perhaps that can lead into your overall body of work. So by focusing in the um, in the now, I think that you can expand into the future much more easily than just offering everybody everything all of the time, you know? Um, the third one has a lot to do with the, the second one, but that's reducing availability through lack of information. So again, within your marketing in particular, focusing in and, um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, to separate this one because I feel like, again, what we were told the past year is that you have to have your entire body of work available because collectors are going to want to make sure that they know that you're legit and you're in the space and support. I Like, I don't know. Um, I, I just, I feel like um, by reducing information, um, you're, you're not lying, you're not being mistruthful, and you're certainly not like reducing your overall value. Um, I think that you are bringing focus into what is important, which is selling this particular piece or body. And that's okay. Um, the fourth one is to raise or stack prices, which went into um, Avenue's question. Avenue wrote, I'm curious as to how auction style versus fixed price fits into building scarcity, as I have not done auctions yet. And I actually wish that more artists would, um, I, I think there's a different term for this, correct me if, uh, if I've, I've got it wrong, but stacking your prices or sure, doing auctions. Um, for one, stacking your prices effectively creates a massive amount of FOMO for people to get in at the least amount, um, the, the least cost. That's totally the wrong phrasing, pardon my Italian, um, at the least cost. Because of course, the next tier of your cost is go or your price is going to go up. So by um, facilitating that that stacking pr those stacking prices, you're creating a massive environment of FOMO. And then to that also with especially with what Black Label was saying. Um, is uh, the participatory sport of um, celebrating along with your collectors, um, which also fits in very well, I think, with auctions. So the minute that somebody gets a bid, you will find most artists on their timeline saying, oh my God, I'm so excited. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for supporting my work. And like the collector, the person who bid on you, usually bid for, hi, a reason they like your work they want to support you they want to support the community like whatever their value is they want to celebrate with you so i think that auctions are an amazing way of supporting again that scarcity that emotional involvement and of course it also brings in that fomo um and then the last one i want to propose real quick is to constrain your marketing to different values so um Jimena, um, you, for example, um, who said that you don't have uh, differentiation of your collections through utilities. Well, you have differentiation of um, like, quote unquote, values because the work, the body of work throughout each collection is so different, which means that the collectors who collect certain pieces of yours are probably going to collect for various reasons. Um, now, if, if due to everybody here, if you've been in my space before, I've talked a lot about collector values and personas of which there are nine so far. 
Um, and it's basically just a way of marketing and talking about your work in a way that appeals to what your collectors care about. It has a lot to do with your target audience, but more Web3 because target audience is like way too broad of a subject, I think. Um, so yeah, it's, it's basically like talking about the investment value that your work has because of your platform growth or your portfolio growth. Another one is rarity, not to be confused with scarcity, but rarity. Rarity is basically a way of telling your collectors that this piece or the uh, composition within a piece is something that doesn't happen very often. It is rare and really hitting upon like those emotional elements to start selling your work. So yeah, there's, there's those five, I think, are at least ways of approaching how to think about scarcity within your, uh, within your body of work. Um, and uh, yeah, mix and match those as, uh, as you see fit. And um, of course, like if, if anybody has any questions about those, like I, I know I kind of rapid fired those. Um, but if you have any questions about those, um, I, I do have Discord. We've got a community in there who can like kind of workshop things with you. Um, it just in case you, you needed, you know, a little bit of the buddy system there. Does all that make sense, Black Label? Absolutely. I, you broke that down really succinctly. And um, yeah, it, it makes total sense. Cool. I could go <laughs> on for another five minutes. But I that makes sense if you want your choice. <laughs> um, I'm going to let Quantum go. And uh, Dan, yeah, do you want to do a, a hard pivot into audits? Ooh, audits. Yes. Ooh, okay. Let me, uh, let me let Quantum go and then we'll, uh, we'll do a hard pivot. So um, I didn't do auctions until, <clears throat> you know, and I, I really wanted to. And then uh, Foundation, I got an invite like the week before it opened up to everybody. But I really wanted to do Foundation through a manifold contract. And once that happened, I, I did like my first few auctions. And the way I look at auctions, like most auctions end with the first bid. Right, they're usually timed, you know. So the first bid happens, it triggers the auction on on manifold and on, I'm sorry, on foundation and on manifold gallery. So you have that like 24 hours of like you need to hype it up, right? You want to get more, you want to thank the the person who bid, and then you want to get more bids, right? You want to build up that excitement. Um, but most auctions end with one bid, and that's fine, right? Like that's exciting um, to even have a bid. Uh, Jimena, uh, you know, uh, won one of the auctions uh, from that foundation collection. And, but I tended to, so like I look at pricing in, because auctions are kind of flexible, you know, you start off at a price that you feel is fair, but you would like it to go up. Maybe you start off a little lower and you'd like there to be more bids. But like in the same way, when I do additions, I do additions based on the number, based on the auctions. Like, so there is like a good pivot if you're doing one of ones for auctions and then you're doing additions. Like if you're doing an addition of say five, well, you should break that down to be the same price if all five sold to be close to where your auctions are selling as one of ones, you know, and I feel like that's a good way to like kind of keep the work in that same realm. When I just did that open edition, like that came a little higher than my highest auction sold for, right? And it was 45 of them, but it was still higher total price for that one uh, edition, open edition, than one of my auctions sold for. And I have auctions that are cheaper. So like, oh, all of a sudden people could be like, oh, I could pick up a one of one for a lot less than, 
you know, what his going rate would be for any individual one of ones, whether or, or addition collections. Um, so I always try to like, you know, think of the, your pricing in that structure. If you want to make it available, you do additions, but you make those enough of additions to make your one of ones still valuable um, and kind of equal that same price. At least that's that's the way I look at it. Um, I don't know if you have like a different perspective on it. No, like I said, I, um, I, I, I don't like to go with prescriptive in spaces without like fully knowing the extent of, um, of your body of work and exactly how you've moved. Um, but all of that, all of that sounds cohesive to, uh, to me. Um, Black Label, did you have any commentary on that one? No, it makes sense. I, I think that these things are going to change and evolve from every person and you're going to have to kind of feel around in the dark void on your own for a while and then kind of see what works and what doesn't. I think resonating with people is a big one. Use your social media as like a test, you know, a test and learn type of environment and see how it is you can, you know, hit the right uh, crowd as well as collectors and everything else. And then you'll find that price point and you'll find how many go out there. And then that's sort of how the rarity and scarcity model begins to act because you have to, you have to test it all. You know, you got to kind of find it, find it on your own for a while. Kind of wonder sometimes if uh, Tez. I, I know that we've mint on Tez as like the experimental platform, but um, I'm, I'm like I, I'm still very excited about Tez because I feel like it is a bit of a playing ground and a testing ground. But obviously, it's isolated on its own blockchain. So that's like that's a Monday space thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> go ahead. I wanted to kind of just as a room for kind of the collector relationship. I think that in itself is an art on how to, you know, just keep the relationship, let people know what's coming. Um, also, and again, I'm just being very careful with the words I'm using, kind of in a way get input, but not like become someone else. Because I feel like the point of being an, art, an artist for me personally is is freedom right and exploration um but i noticed you know people you, you you pin somebody that i admire and love so much claire and i think she's just freaking brilliant uh you know um and she manages like her collectors in such a way and seems she has you know that relationship where uh in a way like i think she's also gained a lot of perspective from like brilliant collectors in the space I would say that in my in my experience, unfortunately, um, I have not really, you know, just kind of learned from the beginning uh, on managing kind of that relationship. Part was, again, shame. I didn't feel like I wanted to slide into people's DMs and be markety and salesy. And then I realized that I could have, like, uh, you know, fostered relationships that I didn't. And now a lot of people have just, like like basically moved on into other things and so it's kind of like backpedaling and after the fact so I um just, just I don't know again like uh, my question is kind of how do you all manage that relationship with your collectors in a way that is harmonious uh that is freeing but that is also beneficial for you in, in from a marketing standpoint 
I mean, personally, um, I expect to be sharing our grandma's cookie recipes before anybody collects from me. So I, I definitely establish a, a very personal relationship with people before I think about minting. But I, I think that I have a very um, different situation than uh, than a lot of other people do. Um I think that, no, I don't know if I do, because I'd probably do the same damn thing. Um, it would depend upon consistency. Black Label, um, do you have, like, how, how do you do that while I, uh, while I think? I think you have to, you know, I don't know. I, <laughs> some of this stuff I feel like it makes me sound like a really weird person, but I, I, I want to make sure that people are attracted to what I'm doing. And I don't, I, I personally, just my brand, my personality, I don't necessarily want to go out and talk to people in a, like a cold cell way. I'm not, I'm ne I've never done that with anything. And so I've been successful with a lot of things in my life and, and I've never gone about it in like a, Hey, here's this thing I'm selling. Do you want to come buy the thing I'm selling? You should buy it. Cause I'm selling it. Like that's, that's not, that's just not how I, I roll. That's just my thing. But I think to me, the way I look at it is look at Twitter, look at the way that who you want to talk to is operating and what it is that they're doing, who they're speaking to, what circles are they in, what collectives are they, are they in, what are, what are they investing in, who are they talking to, what lists are they already on publicly. Then go look at that community of people, get in front of that community of people, start engaging with the people that that person is now engaging with. And then you use that engagement as leverage to be in front of that person that you're looking to target or a group of people. And then when you're in front of them, now they're actually seeing you. And if they like what you have, they'll come buy it. It's pretty simple as far as like the way that that structure works. It's a lot of extra work. But I think that it ends up happening naturally over time because the algorithm begins to kind of play in your favor as you start to engage with other communities and circles of things and you kind of get in front of those people who are already looking at that stuff. So it ends up kind of working out later. But to me, I want, I want people to invest in what I'm doing because I'm doing something they like and they also believe in me as a person and, and my brand and what it is that I'm doing with everything else that I have my hands on in this space. And so they're going to see that and they see that then I'm attracting them to that. I'm not going to them to ask for sales. I'm, that's just not, I'm not going to be the used car salesman walking outside and saying, Hey, you want to come buy this thing? And to me, it's like, Hey, you know what? Cars on the lot. If you like the lot, you can come get it. That's on you. I'll make sure you see the lot and you know about the lot, but I'm not going to come ask you to come buy a car off the lot. So I think like that's, that's just my approach. I'd rather people who come in, want to be there rather than they're there because I sold them on being there. That's just how I personally would like to do it. Um, hopefully that's not like a weird thing to say, but that's how I look at it. <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, I think that you need to differentiate between, of course, like what your own boundaries are, i.e. if you are introverted and like terrified of the DMs, then cool, you can still establish relationships on the timeline and not have to manage people. Um, I'm definitely one of those. I, I have um, time blindness and uh, the, the infamous ADHD blindness where like, if you're not in front of me, you don't exist to me anymore. And that's just the way that my brain works. It's not that like I dislike people or something like that. That's just how my brain is. Um, and I, 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 again, I just want people to respect um, their own headspace and their own needs and not think that like you have to be quote unquote managing your collectors every single day in the DMs. 
Um, I do think that that definitely does give you a leg up on creating advocates within the space who are going to follow your every damn whim. Um, but I think that through educating as well as connectivity, that, that um, those two things combined are definitely the way um, of making sure that collectors obviously know who you are and your body of work, but they also know why they should be collecting you. Um, and I mean that again, in a way that appeals to their different values. So like Black Label was said, identifying um, like what circles they're in and what they collect, not only that, but why they collect. Are they looking for an investment? Do they care about rarity? Are they just collecting for the aesthetic or do they need some sort of like personal significance and attachment to the work um, in a way where they care about the story? Because you'll talk to one collector or you'll, you'll have one collector listen to your story and your woes about making a piece and they won't give a shit about it. And that's okay because it appeals perfectly to a different collector. Um, I'm just trying to, to illustrate that like every single collector collects for a different reason. And I don't really think that one is better than the other. They're just different and I respect them all the same. But yeah, by giving, um, by educating uh, your collectors on the timeline, as well as sure in the DMs where appropriate, those are definitely the best ways of establishing rapport, a relationship, and then getting to the holy grail of marketing, which is establishing those advocates. Uh, Jimena, did you have uh, some to add? Um, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I, I very much relate with everything that you said on Black, uh, as Black. Black Label um, also said in terms of kind of that organic, uh, non-shilly, markety way, right? Like we're doing things for the heart and basically I'm here to connect with those like-minded individuals that do connect with the ethos of my work. Um, and what I was just going to say is that for me, uh, and I know this obviously, it's hard, again, yeah, what you were saying, like it's not a one-fits-all, but the one-on-one IRL uh, meetups have really, really helped for me personally. I, I think for me personally, again, it's, um, I think my, my superpower is like just kind of connecting one-on-one with people and why it's also at the same time kind of hard to get my work out. It's because I, you know, I, I am my most authentic self, like in these conversation, you know, in like one-on-one conversations and, uh, you know, I, I would just kind of share for, for the sake of like education of something that's worked for me, that I'm somebody that like, if I'm listening in these kind of, you know, conversations and I connect with somebody organically, um, I DM the person and I said like, you mind like jumping on a call for three minutes? I want to, you know, just share a little bit of my journey. And I am actually like, I stick with that three minutes. I am very respectful of people's times. Um, and, you know, just kind of say, like, I'm here, uh, I'm an artist, and um, I think that's also, you know, again, uh, works. I just wanted to share that for anyone that's listening. But, uh, again, this has been super insightful and helpful, guys. 
Yeah, Jimena, thank you for being here. Um, just appreciate that. Um, I, I, I know you haven't been in my spaces before. Um, I'm, I, I always feel very lacking, I suppose, with the the heart and soul element of this and Black Label, and uh, and you have definitely brought that, and it's it's invaluable. Um, so thank you, thank you again for for being here. Um, let me uh, call on Evo real quick, and uh, then we might do a little bit of a hard pivot if that's okay. Evo, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I have a question. What is the hard pivot before I get started? <laughs> uh, the hard pivot is we are going to be doing two uh, profile optimizations, basically. Um, yeah, so oh, we're just cool. going to look at, uh, at two people's profiles and like help them out with it. Okay, well, I, I hope my question maybe will segue into that then. Um, Mike, I thank you, first of all, for the space. This should happen more often because I feel like it's a common issue for a lot of artists regardless of the blockchain you're on especially in this market i understand you know that scarcity scarcity is really important but i'm an artist on tez and i'm also trying to bridge over to eth so you could call it like a multi-chain artist and there are multiple people doing this now either they're moving from tez to eth or not moving but they're minting on both blockchains trying it out seeing how the how how it's going and getting some work sold. Um, but uh, what is your advice when it comes to marketing and also strategy um, for people who are multi-chain artists? Because of course, like you mentioned before, Tez is kind of the experimental ground for, you know, for better, for worse. I think it's for better, but um, it is significantly cheaper than ETH. So how do you bridge that gap? Because I have works that I'm really proud of that I kind of saved for ETH and minted on Manifold um, so that and then put on the marketplace there in the gallery rather. And they haven't sold because I'm new to ETH as an artist, but the Tez pieces are going faster, not selling out, of course, right now, but they are moving. So what is the advice? And again, thank you for this. I think we need to do this again. We'll definitely do this again. Um, I do have Monday Spaces that I'm coming back to in two weeks, I think, um, where we'll have more of the like discussion base around like Tezos and ETH and like less less prescriptive about what you should do and how you should move. But it's rather about yeah the discussion about it. anyway. Um, so I. I I think that you're doing what a lot of artists already do do because you've said that you've saved your work that you're most proud of for ETH. Um, but I did hear a concern there that it hasn't sold. Um, can you just confirm with me that, uh, that you're concerned about that? That is correct. Well, I did an open edition and, um, you know, you guys talked about that earlier. The open editions, um, I sold like about seven of those. I mean, it was like a couple weeks ago and, since then, I was like, okay, so there are collectors on ETH that are, you know, people that I know or people that are supporting, so that's a good sign. And then I went for one of ones. And the one of ones, of course, I priced, you know, 0.3. I priced one at one ETH. But then, because that one is like stellar to me, and I think I put a lot of time into it, even though it is AI work. Um, so, long story short, there's a price difference, but I... Yeah, that's the struggle because it's different environments and I don't know how to bridge that gap and get people excited on ETH and or just collect on both chains, really. Well, here's the thing is that we already have, well, we 
do have um, the the bigger pool of collectors on Ethereum. So I, I don't think that there is like it's not a question of okay, how are we supposed to onboard from Tez to Ethereum? But rather, it's usually the opposite direction. Um, and uh, in the last space, we talked about basically like importing people from Twitter to to Reddit, and I don't see any reason why you can't um or not not any reason excuse me um if you're introverted or uncomfortable like of course that's that's a valid reason but um for example what is keeping you from messaging your collectors on tezos especially if you have some uh ones with larger platforms for example or who um advocate very heavily for you um are you comfortable like messaging them and basically onboarding them onto your ethereum work especially because it's an open edition i also want to know why you went with open edition too so double double question there okay i'll answer the first the second one first because well that's the one i remember right now uh, um i'm just thinking a lot as well while you're talking about this, um, I went with an open edition because it was like my introduction to ETH. It was also like a celebration. Manifold had recently opened their marketplace, their gallery rather, and all the tools that creators can use to basically have sovereignty over their work. And that's why I went with the open edition as like a celebration and an introduction to ETH. And the first question, if you could repeat it. I have ADHD and can't remember yeah. anything. I, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Um, did you, um, is there any reason why you're not uh, messaging your Tezos collectors and basically importing them to your ETH? That is a good idea. I am a bit um, introverted, um, which is ironic given my profession. But um, when it comes to things like art, I am a bit introverted. I speak best on timelines, but I, I also feel like I don't want to, you know, I, I could start a Twitter group, like a private DM group. Maybe that's an idea, you know, uh, for those collectors. And then they have like a, but not everyone wants to be in these groups. So that's also a, a con for why I haven't done it. But it's a definitely a good suggestion. Yeah, I, I think that Manifold recently maybe they didn't deploy it just yet, but it looks like they have some sort of like, I don't know, messaging system or something like that coming to specific wallets. Um, the reason that I mentioned that is that like, I get added to collector groups and it floods my DMs. And I know that there are vastly more prolific um, collectors that are out there um, who get added every single day and they have to sort through their DMs every single day. And that has to be a lot. Um, so I would pay attention to Manifold or um, maybe think about, I don't know, some other like private personal way to um, to let them know what's going on within your space. Um, mostly because I, I feel like everybody's answer is always, oh, just start a Discord. Oh, just make sure that you like start a community. But not all of us want to be community managers, you know. Um, so I, I think that there is still a, a problem within the space of not having a personal but quick way of referencing um, back to our collectors and vice versa. Um, so it looks like Manifold might have a solution there if you don't have a Discord. There's also, of course, Discord DMs and personal DMs. But um, yeah, I, I think that bridging that gap is is definitely something that uh, that we're we're lacking in the space. Um, but yeah, I, I think that um, educating your um, your current Tezos collectors is definitely a way to import people who are obviously 
obviously supporting your um, your platform uh, to get them to buy from uh, from ETH. So yeah, at the end of the day, I, I don't think it's a problem of um, not having people in Ethereum, but rather letting people know um, who are already advocates of Ethereum um, that you have work on there now that you think um, or are excuse me that uh, that you're the most proud of, and um, especially that it adds to the value of your overall portfolio by yeah using those uh, those educational posts. Does all that make sense? Definitely, it makes sense. And um, back to Manifold, which I guess we're both big fans of. Um, there is a little thing. I'll just keep it short, but. You know, you have a one of one, you can put those in the gallery, but there's not like yet, I think they're working on it, like a page where you can see everything that you've minted with Manifold. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that might solve the, the problem um, where I can just share that page on Twitter in a post or just engage and educate people about what my work on ETH is like. And maybe that can be useful for other people as well. Quantum is the big platform nerd, and he's got his hand up, so I'm going to let him go. <laughs> um, it's, so Manifold has rolled out, um, and I assume artists can use it on their side, but I know I've seen collectors or uh, use it or like kind of cur like a curation. So they can you can mint or you can list. You can make a page with multiple pieces of artwork from multiple different artists. Um, I think Manifold's like ultimate goal was to kind of do that because of the, you know, 6.9% uh, royal uh, revenue that uh, someone can get as re referring you uh, as an artist from the primary sale. So I do believe there's a way to do it. Um, you know, dig into their, you know, their docs uh, and stuff like that. Um, it might require a little bit of, you know, code uh, and a little HTML, you know, <laughs> uh, which I'm not very That's good okay. at. I'm a designer, so it's fine. Oh, there you go. Yeah, dig into their docs. Um, they okay, have a I'm whole, like, to, developers page while, yeah. to connect to. Um, and, you know, it, they have it's a wealth of information. And I would say recommend um, reach out to White Lights uh, here on Twitter. He's one of their Manifold developers, and he's super, super nice, super, super helpful. And he has a couple of tutorials uh, building, you know, custom sites for Manifold galleries. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, white lights. White lights. Okay, cool. I'll find him and I will yes. track him down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you all so much for the insight. I'll be listening. Thanks for coming up. Um, okay, is it hard pivot time? Hard pivot? Are we, are we ready? Yes, we're ready. I'm here. Okay. Yes, okay. we're doing it. Pivot hard. Let's go. All right, hard pivot time. All right, let's do some uh, audits and stuff. Um, Juliet, you are here. Um, Juliet, do you want a uh, a little a little uh, Ina Kleina audit musak? I'm gonna invite you up to speak just in case. Um, but yeah, so uh, what we're going to do now is more than likely a profile audit because that's um, the uh, the family favorite. Um, basically what, uh, what Black Label and I do throughout the space, um, this time we're only going to do two of them. Um, we basically roll through your profile, your timeline or your content 
and um, try to solve whatever problems you're having. So for example, if you have a lack of engagement, well, that could be a problem with your algorithm. It could be a problem with your content. Um, and yeah, our job is basically to figure out uh, what's going on and attempt to give some sort of like prescription there. Um, naturally, because your profile is the front face of absolutely everything that you do on Twitter though, um, I think that starting there is generally a very good um, good start for uh, for most people. Um, so yeah, what we're going to do is uh, grab Juliet up here. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm at work. I was hoping this would happen during my lunch, but I'm here. I can take a few minutes and then you can go through it and I'll just answer questions in the bubble if that works for you. Oh yeah, that's fine. Um, well, awesome. um, initially, so in the, in the limited time that you have then, um, Black Label, what, uh, what were the questions that we were supposed to ask? Do you remember? I yeah. Think so you... go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. So, um, like two or three sentences on your brand project thing that you do and, um, any like kind of big challenges you're facing at the moment or goal that you have on your list that you want to achieve. Okay. My project basically i'm a photographer so i am slowly minting my archive of work and i think engagement might be an issue but i i don't have much time so i didn't get the blue check and i wonder how that affects me now and um if my subscription thing for upcoming mints was a good idea i think i've got one subscriber and I'm not sure if people on Twitter yet are doing that kind of subscription to email things. I know Quantums is very successful, as are some others, but people don't know me very well. Um, I guess my content would be my work that I show and how I present it here. And I feel like I'm doing okay. I kind of follow what I learned in the fine art community and what I do on Instagram. And seems to work but I'm not sure because I don't get very many sales at all but um, I don't know I'd, I'd love some opinions thank you appreciate you going through that um, so first of all I love your profile picture um, I think it really stands out and is unique um, I think I've seen something like it before but it definitely is unique in itself um, the banner, is the banner a picture that you've taken? Yes, my banner is a photograph that I did a, uh, a limited claim manifold contract for, and it was quick and it came and went, but it was, um, yeah, it's, so it's an image that I shot in Iceland. My profile picture is actually a self-portrait I took in 2012, so... Nice. So for the background image, I think that um, I would probably put a tag on there, something somewhere that's like, you know, shot in Iceland, sold at blah, 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 or displayed in blah, 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 or, or something that kind of, it's kind of just maybe like a text label somewhere on it, just to say, hey, this isn't a stock image I pulled from Getty or, you know, Google or something. This is something that I shot on location at this place or whatever. It doesn't have to be some long thing, you know, three, four or five words or something like that. Um, just to kind of like call that out. I assume that's what it was, but I think it, it you also, you have some white space at the top, right? Because of the way the landscape is, it's perfect for a little bit of like small black text or something. It just calls that out. That's just, you know, one thing that comes to mind. 
Um, NFT enthusiast. That doesn't necessarily say to me that you make NFTs. That tells me that you are into it and you might be a collector. Doesn't necessarily tell me that that's what you're doing. And I think that if I were to come here under different uh, context, I think my impression would not be that you're selling something. Until I got to the super chief selects part, um, then I'm like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe they've had some work um, and at super chief. And so I think that maybe that's that kind of points in that direction. And then you had the manifold thing, which also points into, okay, maybe there is work that's there. So I think it's a bit of a switch. That's one little change. I think the rest of it looks good. Um, I do see you have banner, you know, maybe your banner is there and that's linked. That's what that is, which I, I didn't even notice that at first. So maybe my other advice is wrong, but I still think you could do a call out. Um, and I'm not sure if you'd even want to call out the banner in the, in the bio either. I'd probably put in something more along as like for your rep and what it is you're doing, what is your building. Um, and something that we say a lot to people when we do these profile audits is what is it that you'll give to me? as a follower? What is it that I'm going to get out of following you? What, what is that thing that you're doing that, that enriches my experience on Twitter by following you? And I think that the answer, the answer to that question is always um, the thing that you should have in your banner up front, you know, up, up front and personal, so to speak. So the, the couple of suggestions I would make to put it succinctly is I would I'd probably change the phrasing of enthusiast to something else. Um, I think you should probably lead with the fact that you're a photographer and you're an amazing photographer from what I've seen on here so far. It's, it, that's fantastic. So I'd probably lead with that. That's the thing I'm going to be getting from you if I follow you. It's that incredible photography. So I think, you know, that's probably something you'd want to lead with. Um, and then I'd probably put a little tag on the banner somewhere and maybe swap out that last little section of text about the banner in the bio and put something else there that's high value. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you. I used to have photographer in the lead, and then I thought uh, it's down on the the thing that says what my job is. I have photographer there, so but I can move it to the top for sure. Yeah, and I, I, want, I definitely want to hear Kino's um, perspective on this too. The, the last thing I'll say is I think um, you know it doesn't necessarily have to like we talk a lot about like how to creatively say this stuff, you know. So I don't think like photographer, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, blatant like that or or that dry. It could be, you know, um, this is a horrible example. So I'm like creating the best photography NFTs you've ever seen. Like that's like uh, that's like a huge value proposition, you know. So there's a way to angle that thing so that it's not just photographer or enthusiast. It's more like, hey, here's what you're getting. I'm creating the best photography you've ever seen in your life. You, you should come check it out. You should check me out. You should follow me because of that thing. That's what you're getting when you come to my page. So I think like that's like own that thing, whatever that is for you, because it, 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 it's something that has to speak from your own voice and your own perspective and the way that you brand and yourself and your personality and whatnot. But, but like own that thing and be super upfront about that thing because then, then that's who you are. That's what you do. That's what I get from following you. And it's very specific and valuable. Okay. Thank you. I'm data potatoing in the background and looking at your algo stuff. Um, did you say that uh, you, you said that uh, you're, you're not selling very well, right, Juliet? Correct. Sorry to like start off on like with that. Um, okay. No, there's nothing so, wrong with that. I'm all that honesty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Um, cause what I'm, what I'm noticing on the back end is that not only do you engage inside of a, a closed community, like you, you know, that I, um, I, I'm, I'm a data potato. Um, I look at like the, the community bubbles almost like algorithmically speaking. Um, and most communities have their own, yeah, like bubbles. So you've got like the NFT community as its own really big bubble. And then everybody and their like micro communities have little bubbles that are like kind of stacked on top of it like a venn diagram and um what i'm seeing with your engagement is that you're very much inside of a particular bubble and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that except that when you are trying to sell your work especially to that big bubble nft community rather than your own community it can be very difficult because your algorithm and exposure is stuck within that little little bubble um so try as you might to continue meaning um, go ahead Sorry to interrupt. Does that mean like I'm only interacting with photographers? Because I repost a lot of other AI works and different stuff, but it's m mostly the same people. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing like one of, um, I'm not saying none of these names are bad. I'm not calling anybody out. I've just noticed that this is one of the bubbles. Um, so Leslie, Crypto King, and oh God, what's the other one? Um, Sabode. Um, that's definitely like one of the the macro bubbles that um, I think was accidentally created. Um, and you're very much embedded in, in that one. Um, so yeah, by like retweeting other communities and more important than that even um, is commenting, DMing and just spreading yourself out a little bit, um, I think would be extremely beneficial for your sales. Um, not only that, but up your keywords with um, photography, photojournalism, um, like digital art or something like that. Um, reason being is that you're algorithmically associated very heavily with generic NFT. And because you are an artist within the space and um, we're not talking about scale that's over like 20,000 followers, um, I would rather you see I would rather see you more heavily associated with art and photography rather than NFT community. Um, so those are just two initial like algo problems that I see. And Juliet, you've also been a Patreon or a member of mine since like March of last year. So if you need help with any of this, like, please DM me. Um, I'm just I'm trying to rapid fire because I know that uh, we're a little bit short on time because um, you're at work. Um, but, 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 but with the um, with the profile, I, I agree with um with what black label said and um the only thing i think that i would add to it is that um the hook i i think that hooks are i'm like the hook champion i love hooks um and your work is so ethereal and emotional and so freaking cool that i would like you to give yourself the due respect of how cool your work is by describing it a little bit. And I'm not saying um, describe it through like a long sentence in your profile, but rather find an impactful way that describes both you and your work, if we're very clever, um, and lead with that. So something about, I don't know, an ethereal expression of something or another. Um, we'll, we'd have to like sit down and brainstorm this. Um, but yeah, lead with a hook that gets people interested in what you do follow that up with literally what you do, i.e. NFT photographer, a surreal artist, like however you want to describe yourself and your current body of work, um, follow that up there. 
And then um, with the rest of it, I would pick and choose what are most important for how you enrich the community and enrich your por uh, your portfolio within your bio. Um, and then I, I think that your link tree is good. I, I might want to comb through that a little bit with you and pick out a couple of things that maybe might be bloat. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, uh, I think I agree with, uh, with Black Label on the rest of it. Um, does all that make sense, friend? It does. Absolutely. And I would love to, thank you for the invite, love to uh, work on that impactful hook. That would be awesome in an, at another place and time. Yeah, please. Um, whether or not it's Twitter or, uh, or Discord, just uh, DM me and we'll work through it, okay? Sounds good. Thank you. I Thank made you some for notes. supporting That's me. That's awesome. Absolutely. You're doing great things. <laughs> Wes, and you're helping so many people. I appreciate you immensely. Well, thank you for being in my life. Um, I'm really bad at this. Thank you, Juliet. <laughs> um, Joe, Joe just came up here. Um, real quick, let me see if crypto. No, our flamingos are gone, which means we have time for one more audit. Let me see if anybody else is on the list in here. Um, while I do that, though, Juliet, do you have any um, any questions or, or follow up? Not at the moment. Thank you. Anytime. You're the best. Um, I don't have anybody else on here. Black Label, do we want to like, just like make people fight for an audit? Like what, what should we do here? <laughs> Is that, um, Joe, is that what you came up for? No, nah, fight to the death. Okay. Joe, Joe, how you doing? Joe is not here. Joe has left the building. Joe, you have four seconds. And... <laughs> Ripping pepperonis. I tried to create scarcity with time just then, and it didn't work. So. <laughs> it doesn't always work, right? No. Um, let's see. I don't know. Well, let's, let's just do it this way. Does anybody on the stage right now want to open up for an audit or should I make the audience fight to the death for one? I'll, I'll go for it. If hey, Mena, you want one? Yeah. Unless like, let's honestly, I'll, I'll, if anyone else wants it, please do it. Today. No, it is claimed. All right. Um, Black, awesome. do you want to ask, uh, ask the questions three? Yes. So the questions are, what is your project slash brand thing that you do? I hate to call it projects as we're like NFT bro kind of thing, but whatever, however it is you describe that, what is, what is that in two or three sentences? Um, and a current goal that you want to achieve or a challenge that you're facing with your account. All right. I'll start backwards. Scarcity. Um, I want to create that. I'm like very close to thing to burn what I have. I've never burned uh, work. Um, I forgot the middle question, but I'm going to go with the first one. Uh, so I am an abstract artist. I'm a mother. Um, I uh, use all mediums. Uh, right now I paint with Procreate, but I also used JavaScript. Um, and I do, um, you know, some, some art with code. Um, and I, um, oh, the last sentence, um, I really believe in crypto and really believe in NFTs as a way to, 
uh, really tap into our creative voices as a community. And uh, I could go more, but that's all that three sentences, I guess. And then what was the middle question? Sorry. Um, it was just, you, you basically hit it. It was just a matter of um, uh, a current challenge or goal that you have, which I think you mentioned uh, scarcity as being that. Yeah. It, I would say like scarcity. And also I feel like I don't have a clear way on my profile to get to what's sold uh, or what it's, I guess, what is like up for sale. Um, and I wondered if like Linktree is my, my, my answer, but yeah. Yes. So, um, profile picture is great. Um, the banner I think creates an obvious relationship that you're an artist and that's your work. And so I don't think that that's really in question. Um, and so I think that's, that's good. Although it kind of does look like it's cut off. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I would say, it's you know, because that, I'm not a freaking graphic designer <laughs> at all, at all. I am not, I am just an artist kind of winging myself around here and I just like color totally. I knew, I know what you're saying. I'll try to add the gradient or something, uh, but it may not happen, but I know what you're oh, saying. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so, and again, like we're doing this live. So in my brain, I'm just giving you what, <laughs> what my brain sees as, as I go through it. Um, I think, uh, you know, going to your, um, your actual like written part of your bio. The only thing that really stands out to me are, and just because I'm not familiar with exactly what the context of this is, but like FX hash, timepieces, Latin Grammys, Times Square, what what do those mean in context to me following you? Like, what is that? What what are those shout outs to? Um, that I'm that I I'm future. I guess I'm I'm a, like I'm a timepieces artist. Uh, that my art has been or will be, I guess, uh, in the Latin Grammys. That my art has been in Times Square. So should I set something like future artist in? Gotcha. Yeah, because I mean, it does, it does kind of come across that you were in those things. So I, and I don't necessarily think that's like a bad thing. I just think that, you know, when I look at it, my brain goes, Oh, does that mean she was in Times Square? Like, that's, is that, is that what that means? You know, so I think like, it maybe you want to project that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I've seen people that, yeah, I'm future XYZ. Like, I think that's, that's great. Or like becoming xyz i think that's great too because that, that sort of insinuates you're on the path to that thing already um and so i think in general what you have is it's labeled well i don't think that you know you, you mentioned one of your challenges being um scarcity i don't think there's anything that mentions that um now that you have a check mark and your permanent name is minting now um i'm not sure you know the scarcity thing may be hard to achieve when uh, you're always going to seem like you're minting um but i think that that's not that's not a bad thing i'm just i'm, I'm making a joke obviously but i think um I you know you've got um sr i'm assuming you mean super rare open sea known origin foundation um, you know, you have all those things. And I think that obviously, you know, when I go to the website that you have, uh, because I, I did click on that, you have uh, click here to purchase. And I'm not sure, like this is on Nifty Kit, but are there, um, you know, are there like, um, 
uh, like there, there could be links essentially in a link tree that's going to take people directly to those platforms that you are selling on and how they get there. I think one thing that I've noticed, and just as, as a small sidebar, I, one, one thing I've noticed when it comes to collectors and what they're doing, a lot of them stick to one blockchain or they stick to one marketplace. And so they may be going through and looking like, okay, like I'm only going to buy things from foundation because that's the place I trust. That's the place I've done before. That's where all my stuff is at. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And so some people just want to go do that one thing. So if I'm, if I want to go buy just on foundation, I don't know exactly where that is. I went to your homepage or the page that you have linked. It did not take me somewhere that I can click on foundation with one click. Anything that's going to involve more than one click outside of this website, you're going to lose 99% of people. There's typically like a one to 3% conversion rate. So if you have a hundred people click on that, uh, on your um, homepage link, you're looking at maybe, maybe one person is going to click on something else while they're there. Everyone else is going to leave. And so you want to make sure that that's like as easily as possible for people to get to. Kino and I were just having a conversation yesterday about streamlining conversion funnels and making sure that everything is a one to two clicks away. If, if what you're doing is more than two, three, four, five clicks away, it's never going to happen. People just aren't going to do that, especially in the world as we exist today. It just isn't going to happen. When I released a series yesterday, I put my, I, I removed my link tree. I put my known origin link as a link in my bio because that's the only thing I wanted anyone to go look at. I, and I even replaced it earlier, but all day yesterday, that's what I did because I want to make sure that if someone goes there, that's the one thing they need to do is that one click. I'm going to have a higher conversion rate in doing so. So I would suggest a link tree or something that's going to display things that are one click away and do it in a way where that's obvious. And then you know, that doesn't answer your scarcity problem. But I think that's that's how you get people to start going through and finding you. Because even as I go through your site, like I'm not quite sure exactly where those links are or how I, I can go buy it. I see the infinite objects. I see Connect Wallet. I see Click Here to Purchase. But that goes in Nifty Kit. And that's not that's not even mentioned in your bio. So all the, all of a sudden now I'm hesitant to click anything else because I'm not going to the place that I thought I'd be going to. So that's probably my biggest piece of suggestion would be doing that. I love it. I, I take that. And I honestly, I think maybe that's why I'm struggling with scarcity because it's hard for people to get to. Uh, so amazing. Thank you. I think that focus is also hard too. And what I mean by that is uh, artists have depth. Um, our art has depth. And um, there is a lot that goes into how we move in a space and what we value. And I think that all of those things are very important. But part of the challenge that we have as our own marketing, um, as our own marketers, excuse me, is making sure that we understand our goals and that we are contextualizing how we move within the space to those goals. Um, so like, for example, I, I don't want to call on this and say that like, this has nothing to do with it. That's, that's not what I mean at all. Um, obviously you being a mother is incredibly important to you. Um, so it belongs within your bio. Um, but how can we put it in the bio that not only respects who you are and what's important to you, but also make sure that it respects what your goals are as well. And part of the challenge, I think, is condensing these very, very um, complex subject matters into an impactful way of presenting it to somebody, um, which is why I like to lead again with that that hook 
So condensing exactly who you are and what you do within a very short phrase or a couple of keywords that um, get people interested in reading the rest of your bio and um, hopefully following you thereafter. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd want to take a look at um, what is important to you, of course. Um, what is the bloat that is within the bio um, and contextualize what your goals are to make sure that, um, uh, that the bio reflects all of those. Um, I do want to go into, I'll go real quick. Um, being how large your platform is, um, I think that your algorithm is actually pretty good. Um, just to contextualize what I mean for, for anybody in this space, um, when your platform starts to scale, generally you do want more uh, generic keywords associated with your account, mostly because you already have that audience pool that is able to basically um, get within their niches via their retweets and their comments. Um, so having like generic web three is not so bad when you're above, I'd say about 17 K is where the line seems to be according to my data. Um, and thereafter you do, or I'm sorry, even any less than that, you usually want to be within the niche. So every Monday, when you see those algorithm keyword checkups, um, you'll also notice that my advice changes based on the scalability of somebody's account. So for smaller accounts, um, you do want to make sure that you are engaging very heavily with um, artists who are within your own genre, um, as well as um, a little bit of that, that mixed in content. So anyway, excuse me, Yemena, um, algorithm seems, uh, seems very healthy. Um, you do have um, engagement on um, your posts that, uh, that have tags with you, but I wonder if we can't boost more of the advocacy within the space from your collectors in a way that again, like they celebrate your successes with you. And that could be through um, making those personal connections, um, maybe posting more often about um, your celebrations. I, I don't know, I'd have to take more of a, um, uh, in, in, excuse me, an intimate look at, um, at your timeline, but for the most part, um, everything looks good. Um, I would uh, agree with uh, with what Black Label was saying, but yeah, I, I think that a lot like what I was saying with Julia is that your your art is fantastic. It is vibrant. It has a lot to do with healing and mental health, and really cutting into the core of um, of what drives a lot of us. Um, with due respect to humanity too, and. I don't see a lot of that on your timeline, nor do I see it in your profile. So I want to make sure that if, if you're doing anything initially, immediately when somebody goes to your bio, it is making sure that people understand exactly what your art does and making that impact in their brains and in their heart with just a, a very hard hitting um, keyword there. Go ahead, Black. Um, yeah, I, I agree with all that. Just as a sidebar, I went ahead and fixed your banner and I just sent you a new version of it. Oh my gosh. Like I am in love with this space and the two of you and you should be like charging money for this. Um, and on all that you're doing, this is like absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I mean, every word. Um, it's like, like, I feel like it's like a tarot reading or something. I don't know. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. I love that. It's a bio tarot reading. That's fantastic. But yeah. I went ahead and I, I sent it the sides of your image and I, I clean it up. So it, I, th I think it, I think it looks good. Um, you're welcome to use that. I mean, it's basically the exact same thing you have, but it's just not cut off. So hopefully that works for you. 
Thank you guys so much. I'm like angry that we're in a space so I can't like look over both of your shoulders and see what you guys are seeing. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, I just I just DM'd it to you. I wanna see. I'll send it to you too. I'm excited. Um but, but, but I guess we have hit uh the two oh Joe, hey, how are you? I'm so sorry. Hi hi. Yeah, I immediately went to hit the mic button and it was Reggie McRedstein. So no. I'll just I was gonna volunteer for a uh, uh, public dissection, but I can wait till next time. Heck, um, yeah. Do you mind if I get? I can do it if you want to do it. Next one. Okay, let me. It is up to you guys. No Are you problem in uh, either way. Discord, friendo? Uh, I have a Discord. I don't know if I'm in yours. Oh, okay. Well, what the heck, Joe? Um, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> if, if you're in mine, then in the announcements, there's a little um, sign up. If you don't mind, like popping into there, that'd be cool. Otherwise, I'll uh, I'll just add you to that one. Go ahead, Black Label. Sorry. I was just gonna say, if you wanted to to burn like five more minutes, I'm down to do it. If you want. Oh, can we burn five minutes? I'm good. If you guys want to do it, are you guys good? Can we get some hearts in the chat? Some claps? Some something? Don't do it. It's it's a trap. Throw up a hundred. Throw up a hundred. He's in a cult. Yeah, don't, some don't do in Definitely there. don't do what I'm doing. Don't don't do that. There's also a 12 <laughs> second delay, so it's going to be super awkward for at least 12 seconds. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. All right. But yeah. So, uh, you want to ask your uh, your questions three, and uh, we'll we'll get to it. All right, Joe. Let's do it. So give two or three two or three uh, sentences on what you're doing your whole vibe, what, what you got going on, and then um, either uh, one challenge you're facing currently or a goal that you'd like to achieve in the near future? Um, I would say just mostly here to express myself creatively as an artist. Um, definitely believe in the Web3 and the, the NFT technology and, and the way all the contracting and stuff works even more so than just for art. Uh, the promise of, you know, lifetime uh, commissions and stuff was the, the dream they sold us all. We'll see how that plays out. Um, and then I would say I do really well with community building, um, but I struggle on the sales side. Well, you know, I, I feel like I know you well at this point we're in a lot of similar circles and constantly you know seeing each other's work and everything else and obviously oh he finally got rugs black label come back oh i thought it was me <laughs> nope Not really. uh yeah you're you're robotting some am i back now uh so far try it again it can be a single thing. Hopefully, not a fun thing. Ooh, no, you're still robot. Gonna see if he's moving spaces now. I have to entertain the whole space. Um, uh, with song, what black label? Am I that sounded now? better. Yeah. Yeah, you sound better. Thank God, I was about to say. Okay. It must be a signal thing. Um, apologies for that. I was just saying that I, Joe, I look at you as like a veteran in this space and you're definitely one that I've seen since my day one um, in the AI community. So I, it's definitely, um, you know, you've got, you've got that behind you and you're pushing that community side. As far as, you know, the brand and what you have going on, I think that there's some room to be a little more concise in, in what you've got. Um, you know, bending the machine to my will, digital artists pushing limits of new tool possibilities. I think that's a, it's a good pitch line. I think it could be consolidated. 
I think that the the banner image, as I see it, I don't think there's anything wrong with having multiple pieces up there, but a lot of them look very similar. So I, I'd probably push to put, if you want to do multiples, do something that's going to be different that all kind of fit into the vibe that you're going to put out there. But I would say like different compositions, different things are going to exemplify the work that you do and kind of give that breadth of spectrum that's going to have that. Um, spaces host AI Art and Chill, huge space. Um, I think that should be maybe even like the secondary element that you have um, because it's such a, it's something that so many people in this space know about. And that's like, that's a big thing. Um, and then obviously I'm a big proponent of AIA, so I'm a little bit biased on that one. But I think, you know, putting these things in order, I'd probably do a break, um, like a line break or something versus a, a space above and below line break. I mean, like a break, like a, like a line or something like that, because what ends up happening is when I see you in the side column or on mobile or something like that, that's going to look different than what it looks like on desktop. So you're going to have weird line breaks at different times. If I hover over your name and if you're on like, you know, the, you might like panel or something like that. And I hover over your PFP, it's going to give me your bio that's kind of broken up. So when I see when people, and I'm not saying this to you because I've seen this happen to you, but I've, I've seen with people who have like, they're, they're doing line breaks in their bios. Everything looks all wonky when they're not in the format that they made that in. So I would suggest, you know, maybe rethinking that in general, the one thing I would say, just like shortening up that first line, you know, put, like, make that really concise, own that thing, make that one thing. Like, what is it that I'm going to get being your follower? What's that thing I'm going to see being connected to you? What are you giving to me as, as a follower? You know, like, what's that thing? And like own that big. You know, so if it's the community side, that's the thing you're going to own. If it's the artist side, that's the thing you're going to own. You know, what's that first line, that thing that you believe in, that thing that you're putting out there, that passion, that one thing that you are it and no one else is that. That's that's what I would lead with. That's, that's much harder to answer than it is for me to ask, obviously. But the point is, is that that's that's the thing that's going to sell people the moment they see it. So do you mean as, as far as the breaking it apart, like using like a pipe or something as opposed to spaces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Just because as you're going like, because you're like line, 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 like you have the first line, then you got web three NFT arts, then you got spaces host. Like those, those are what, you know, and HTML is like line breaks, you know, like you, you're doing it that way. But when it's over on the side, then that first line, the first line gets broken up and then the rest of them are broken up too, because it's going to like try to fit it in the space. I've just seen that happen to people where it looks really weird. I'm not sure how weird that one looks. I haven't seen it like that for you, but that's just something I've seen uh, that kind of breaks things up. I try to do it for myself at one point. I realized like how, how weird it looks in other formats. So just, a just something that I'm noticing. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely take a look at that on a couple of different uh, devices and see what the difference appearance wise is. Yeah. Always, 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 always for everybody in the space. Kino? You change up your, oh, maybe can he not hear me. Yeah. I don't think he, yeah, she was talking. I don't think you can hear Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. I'm going to stop pepperonis. talking. All right. Um, yeah. For everybody in the space, um, if you modify your profile, please check it on both desktop and mobile, mostly mobile, because that is the one that does not respect um, any of the enters that you have, basically. So if you have a line break, uh, mobile does not respect that. So just make sure that you are checking on um, all platforms, mostly because most people... Oh, Black Label City. Um, most people uh, check Twitter on um, on mobile, so you just want to make sure that obviously it's legible on mobile. Um, okay, Joe. Um, so I am seeing a bit of 
a generic Web3 and crypto, algorithmically speaking, where I'd rather see very heavy keywords in machine learning, artificial intelligence, art, digital art, and fantasy, like th those kinds of keywords um, as well. Those, um, must, those honestly must be lingering because the last time we had this discussion, I don't think I've put Web3 or crypto in any tweet in months. It takes a little bit for those ones to drop off just because that's usually who you're engaging with. And hopefully through these spaces and these algo ch uh, keyword check-ins, um, we help each other out. Because, yeah, if you're engaging with somebody who has a bad algorithm, it is going to rub off on you, too. Um, granted, you do have, I mean, you're definitely on the, the right track, though, because you do have a lot of elements of AI, art, machine learning. It's just a little bit high on Web3 because I'm seeing like ETH, cryptocurrencies and NFT collections and other things that like don't quite, aren't quite where I'd want you to be. Um, so you're definitely on the right track with that one. Um, do you know, um, I'm, I'm sure that you are, are you familiar with uh, Beast of AI? Yes, a little okay. bit. Um, cause imagine and bad in there have like really, really good algo values for AI spaces. Um, so engaging with them, I think would be very, very helpful and probably, um, help steer you in the right direction there. If of course you're, you're comfortable doing that. Um, otherwise I, I think I agree with everything that, uh, the black label was saying, um, you have a, a prolific body of work for your AI and a lot of it has this like very heavy mental health, like skirting a little bit on, on horror elements too. Um, let me get Black Label back up here. I can't multitask. There we go. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd like to see you giving yourself the due respect to the, the emotionality that your work has. But also to that, I want to ask you a bit of a personal question. Um, are you advocating for yourself enough? Are you putting out your marketing tweets and making sure that you are educating your community, not only, of course, about the, the value that you have in your space through um, through AI art and chill, but also letting people know that you have these collections out and that they can support you and um, AI art and chill through through your work. Um, I would say, honestly, um, I, when I came into NFTs, um, I kind of went a little overboard at first and that caused a knee jerk reaction with the whole scarcity topic. And so even though I share a ton of content, I really don't mint very much. Um, that last collection that's on my pin post, that's probably the last thing that I minted. And I mean, that's been a while. Um, so realistically, I don't have a lot available on marketplaces. I mean, there is some stuff, but, um, and then no, I probably don't market myself personally as far as the sales side. I'm always pushing everybody else. So <laughs> it could be part of it. I mean, that's okay. You you did initially say that you're here to express and you believe in Web3 and it none of your, your goals reflected wanting to sell necessarily. But at the same time, I am going to cry. Um, sorry, um, Joe came through and, and really helped me out when, um, when my wallet got drained. And um, he is just a, a massive supporter in the space for a, a multitude of, uh, of communities. And um, I think that maybe I see you a lot like other people see me where we don't really talk about our work or monetize and, and like advocate for ourselves. So I guess, um, hypocritically, I just want to make sure that 
you are building your platform and yeah, educating your community about exactly what you do and what you have to give. Because if it's not sales, then at least I want to see your platform grow because of the amount of advocacy that you do give the community and the value and education and support that you give. Um, so yeah, I, I, of course I'm happy that you support other people. Um, but at the same time, like, please just make sure that you're, you're also advocating for yourself, you know? Um, otherwise, I suppose when it comes to, um, community building, then you, you did say that that was, um, one of your, one of your goals, um, is that to build, um, AI art and chill? Is it to support other AI art spaces? Like, do you, do you have much context to how you want to community build that we can help with? Um, and even like with the, the, the art chill space, I mean, really that's, from day one has always been just kind of about bringing the artists together with the people creating the technology. Um, some of our biggest proponents are some of the people that are writing all these notebooks who are building these models. Um, so it's, it's really not so much about selling that show as a branding is really, it's just a gathering of, of people in the community that, you know, kind of brings the artists together with the developers. And um, a lot of us have been able to do a lot of beta testing for it and, so, so really, I never really had the intention of branding that as, as any kind of more than just a, a place for people to unwind and learn and, and talk. So, Yeah. And um, so I, I don't want to encourage you to do something that you don't want to do. Uh, my thoughts are going towards, well, OK, um, we do have an opportunity for a personal brand here with you as a community builder. Um, and yeah, like leveraging that to help connect not only you to, of course, other artists, but um, connect other communities to each other as well. So I don't know um, if, if that's something that I can help with. Um, of course, I'm, I'm happy to do that. But yeah, um, when it comes to like what Black Label was saying, maybe pivoting towards more of that, like personal branding is the way to go, um, just to encourage more, more networking, not only for you, but for the community as well as that skill scalability element um does that make sense yeah absolutely um i would also add sorry go ahead oh i was telling you to go ahead oh okay all right <laughs> well thank you sir um i i would also add like being super succinct about what it is you're putting out there and i'm not trying to use myself as an example but i'm also hosting spaces i'm also you know working in the the community of things um, in a different way, but in, in a similar way than, than what you're doing. And the way that I put it out there is like, what am I first artist? Boom. What am I second? This boom. What am I third? That boom. And it's like two or three words, two or three things. And it's really, really succinct. And that allows me to one fit a lot of stuff in there. Cause I'm probably doing too, too many things, but two, it, it, it is a very drilled down singular pipeline for exactly what someone's going to get when they follow me and what they can expect out of me. So it's more of a matter of benefit statements, of delivery statements, the the end product, the end goal of following me, this is what you're going to get one, two, three, four. And so I think that that's, you know, I, I feel like we say this advice often, but I think when you when you start to look at how to curate your bio, look at it in that way. And it's not necessarily what you do it's what you do for them you know mine mine can be broken down into what i believe 
who I am and what I'm doing for you when you follow me. There's those three things and everything falls within those categories and it's very succinct. So I would, my suggestion is to be very succinct about that and own that thing that you're trying to achieve. Like if you want to go in the direction of selling more NFTs and doing that, then it should be, it, you, should, you should lead with that or have that be your secondary uh, next to what it is you believe in. You know, my mind's zealot of valuable artistic expression. That will probably always stay there because that's like my core belief. Everything else stacks up against that one thing. And so that's how I, that's how I tend to look at it. It's like, what's that core belief, that, that conviction, that thing that you're the most passionate about, that everything else stacks up behind? That should be your priority. Then secondarily, that's that thing that you are or that you will be doing for them. And think about it as like a deliverable statement that you're giving to someone that they're receiving by following you outside of the context of just who you are and what you tend to be doing. It's about who you are to them and what you're going to be doing to them. Sounds easy, but not so much. I'll work on it for sure, though. Hey, I'm happy to help too. I, I, if you if you have some ideas or something, you're welcome to throw it my way. As I'm sure with Kino as well. But just you know, I, I know we chat a lot. So if you have if you got questions, if you want to bounce ideas around, I'm totally totally down to do that. I know we're like tight on time, so I'm trying to be more philosophical in my delivery. Yeah, I'll definitely follow up with both of you on that part of it. Please do, please, please. Um, okay, before we wrap up, I have some congratulations to give out. Um, if you weren't here for last, uh, the last space, um, I've started to do the fridge. If you look at the thin tweet, um, you know how our parents used to like pin our uh, our art on the fridge. Well, now we have a web free version of the fridge. <laughs> so um, I've just like I, I try. I, I want to notice. Um, all of your um, accomplishments throughout the week and just give some some shout outs as I can. So I just want to give a big shout out to um, our own Black Label Art Cult. Um, he sold out, did you just say within two hours? Like how how much time did that take? It was five minutes. Oh my God. You're I only put one piece it. out, so I don't think it's too amazing. But And I also had somewhat of a, a prior relationship to the person that I knew. And it was a couple of people that were looking at it. So it was, you know... I led up into it, but it was like less than five minutes after I put it up. Black label, black label. Like, let's let's normalize. Like, a lot of our sales come from the home um, for for our first couple, and that's completely okay. There's no damn shame. Congratulations on that sale, friend. Um, there's also a Rocket Girl who got, I think, first place, right? Yeah, she won uh, Claire Silver's um, community vote um, last week. So huge, huge, huge shout out for that. Um, Blind D also just sold their first NFT. Um, and similar to what Black Label just said, um, shamed themselves immediately because it was uh, sold to somebody within his circle. But I don't give a fuck. Um, congratulations, Blind. Um, and then Steph also um, mentioned that uh, she's updated her LinkedIn banner and uh, got some applications out. Um, that has been one hell of a process for her. So I'm, I'm forever proud of you, Steph. And then um, Imagine also um, big update on their fundraiser. Uh, they actually did hit $1,000 um, for their, uh, their charity drive last week. So massive, massive congrats to uh, Imagine and uh, the whole Beast of AI um, group there. Um, but yeah, congratulations to, uh, to everybody. Um, 
wrapping up the space, I always do long goodbyes. Um, <laughs> Yamina, thank you for coming. Um, Black Label for um, being my, my host as always. Gabby, Joe, um, PT, I'm so sorry. We will, um, if you're here for a, uh, an audit, we will definitely get for you next time. Gabe, Steph, Coda, you guys have been here for the whole time. Quantum, Animate, um, Buzz is down there too. Hello, my friends. Um, thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for being here. We will do this again next Tuesday at 1 o'clock MST. And uh, we do have those Monday spaces coming for these uh, longer conversations. So thank you again to everybody for your retweets. I'm going to cry. Um, your advocacy. I am such a fucking crybaby. Um, and, uh, and everything that, uh, that you do for uh, me, this platform. And um, I know that a lot of us are experiencing um, a little bit of turmoil and uncertainty right now. Um, but know that, uh, one, you're not alone. Two, I know that no matter what happens, we're all going to be okay because we are a family. We do have this community. And um, I am at least confident that uh, I am going to be here uh, doing whatever the heck I am doing. I'm educating the community, writing my workbooks for um, wherever all of us land. So uh, I guess you have a friend in the diamond business, uh, the keynote company. I'm done. Black Label, help me. I think you should have ended a I diamond business. <laughs> All right, friends. Oh, Thank you, everyone. We'll see you on yeah, the next one. Thanks, Bye. guys, for doing this. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much, guys. This was amazing. Bye, Yamina. Thank you so much. Bye. Ciao.